It is showtime, baby. Here we go. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. And you can see he's rising to the occasion. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Oh, awesome baby with a capital A. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. This is your captain, baby. Hey, come with me. The doctor is now in. Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. No better place to be, of course, on the Las Vegas Strip. Then the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, inside the sportsbook, powered by William Hill, checking out all of these fine people, especially these fine ladies in the house here today. Checking it out, ready to go. It is a Belmont weekend. All right, that's kind of like under the radar because we don't have a triple crown at stake here. But, uh, you know, inside the sportsbook here, the race book, you got that happening on Saturday. So be a big crowd for that. And, of course, more importantly, Game number four tonight, the NBA Finals, the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics. We will break that down. Oh, yeah, over and over and over. Talk a little Major League Baseball a little bit later as well. we got Raider news to talk about as well, too. Raiders in minicamp here in Las Vegas. It is the T.C. Martin Show, of course, streaming live wherever you may be, T.C. Martin Show. Com. And joining me today, a pair of my very favorite local uh, media personalities. And I had to bring in my man, B-Sal. Brian Salmon joins us. That's right. <laughs> he's got my music. And he's, and he's also he's appearing with Belle Biv DeVoe <laughs> at, at, at a joint near you anytime. The fine sports director at News 3 here in Las Vegas, Brian Salmon. B-Sal, what's happening? My G. T.C. Martin, hey, thank you for having me on, man. I'm glad to come down here to the Cosmo and do it actually in person. Yeah. I can actually look in your face. Well, you know what I mean? That, anyway, <laughs> I look in your face you. when I'm talking I to you, you, man. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. We've had you in studio a couple times, and we've had you here, but it's been a long time since you've been here because Friday's kind of a tricky day for you. I get that. So yeah. I appreciate you spending some time. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, it's a long drive, but. Anytime I get to get on the radio with you and I get to talk with you up close and personal, man, you're my guy. So, I mean, I appreciate you inviting me down. I, I appreciate it, brother. Yeah, and I know you love the atmosphere of the Cosmopolitan as well. Is there a better spot to do a show from? Man, <laughs> I wish that we could do broadcast from down here. Yeah. Anytime I get a chance to do remotes, if I can do it something like this at a sports book, mm. it's and I can dress like this. Yeah, I right. wear a short in a Wu-Tang T-shirt. I'm he, good. He's, he's Wu-Tang today. That's right. That's, it's casual. That's it's casual right, Friday. Man. That's right. But, of course, you're looking tight as usual. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and, of course, B-Sal, uh, the man of 50 to 60 suits in his closet. I think that's a bare minimum. I think he's scaled out. He uh, had a garage sale over the weekend. Got it down from uh, from 87 down to about 50. And uh, But always looking sharp on the TV side. There's no doubt he's looking sharp. And even when you're casual, you're looking good. Man, man. I, I appreciate you, man. You're far too kind, TC, man. You hold your own with me, man. You hold your own with me. Well, I, I can get dressed up on occasion, but say I don't do it like you because, like, for my radio gigs, I really don't have to get that dressed up. But, like, when I'm hosting concerts and that sort of oh, thing yeah. or boxing, then then I'll, then I'll do the do. Oh, I see you. Then, I, I see you with the fedora, I'll, man. I I'll do the do. Tilted to the side. <laughs> you know it. You know it. Exactly. So. B-Sal, we got a lot to talk about. Sam Gordon's going to join us a little bit later on, too, as well, too. Sam from the Las Vegas Review-Journal does, does a great job covering the Raiders, uh, UNLV, and, of course, boxing. Just like it's funny that I always talk about things that, like, Sam covers or I cover. You co- we all cover pretty much the same thing, which yeah. is, like, 
everything yeah. here in Las Vegas. Yeah. It's not just like one specialty, you know? No. You know what, man? That's one thing that I think that at least most of the people that do sports information here in town, they, they realize that, man, it's, it's just me. It's just Jesse for the most. And we are everywhere. Yeah. The Aces, the Raiders, UNLV, boxing, mm -hmm. UFC. We still got to try to do some kind of local stories as well. You know what I mean? Um, it, it's tough, man. It's tough being everywhere all the time. And then you got to try to have a family, you got kids and everything. Like, come on, man. It, there's only one Brian, man. But I, I try to – I'm spread thin. But when we really look at this, and like from your perspective, would you rather be in – you're like me. You've been in many markets yeah. throughout the country yeah. as well. Yeah. I mean – would you rather be anyplace else? No, man. I tell people this all the time, man. Boston is probably one of the best sports markets in the country. Um, it's a top ten market. Mm -hmm. I worked there. I was an anchor there. I traveled with the Patriots, did all that kind of yep. stuff. I would much rather be in Las Vegas than to be there. The only other city that I've been in that would be close that I'd love to be was New Orleans. Right. Come in. The fan base is absurd. You got the Saints. You got the Pelicans. You got LSU to travel with. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, and the people, the food, man. But – I, I need to go ahead and leave this, those 15 pounds that I gained in New Orleans, man, and come back to <laughs> you know, And I did take some of your tips when I was back there for the Final Four. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that. And I, and I posted uh, s several pictures of the Po' Boys. And uh, man, I had one of the best pork chops that I've ever had in New Orleans. I'm hungry right now. Yeah. You're talking food, yeah, well, man. Course, you're the cause of positive. You know we're going to be talking food. <laughs> Are you kidding? Because i got to get you up here to the second or the third floor one of these times as well, too, as you know. Yeah, no, they have the, what, the, the chicken place up there. Well, you got uh, Hattie B. Yeah. yeah, which is a, a great, which is, you know, good. Is your your uh, Nashville hot chicken. Yes. The so hamburger could, spot right next door is good, oh, too. Holstein's is fantastic. Oh, man. You yeah. got Lardo in the grab and go. And then, of course, Blue Ribbon, which I talk about, like, just about every week there. Yeah. Uh, the best chicken wings you'll have. Steak, seafood, oysters, STK. I mean, the list kind of goes I'm, on and on. I'm greedy, man. I need all that. Yeah, that's all you got to do. I need you gotta, all that. You got to set some time aside, you know, when you uh, don't have to do, uh, you know, the honeydew list and all that. <laughs> Come on down. Let, let me treat you to a nice meal, man. Uh, I'm, I'm down, man. It, I'm down. I'm definitely down. I know you are. Yeah, the Friday. I'm good now. I mean, the fact that my girls get out of school at this time, so... Uh, I, I got the wife picking him up, so I'm yeah. good. This is what I like about B. Sal, too. I'll be getting texts from him, or he'll he'll call in during the week, and he'll be, like, sitting in the car line at his daughter's school <laughs> and said, hey, you know, and, and you'll just you'll start chiming in, which is beautiful, man. That's yeah, great. I, I mean, appreciate that. I, I have to, man. Like, when, when you invite me, I try to come on at all costs, you know, if, if I'm doing something. Um which I'm generally doing something. I rarely get a chance to sit on my butt and just chill and watch the big screen at the house, man. Right, right. Which is what I wanted, which I'm doing tonight. Yeah, there it is. Man, game Warrior, four, Warriors, come on. Warriors Celtics. It's, and I had said yesterday, I'm going to stick by this. I want to get your opinion on this. We'll get Sam's later. Right. Is that I think this is definitely the most important game of the series. People want to talk about game one. They want to talk about game five. Ultimately, of course, a game seven. But right now in this circumstance, this situation, game four is so important because yes. it could go from 3-1 and then you might want to just turn off the lights. But it goes 2-2. Then all of a sudden, not only Warriors are back, but advantage Warriors with two of the three remaining games potentially on their home floor in San Francisco. 1,000%. 1,000%. If they lose this game tonight, it's not completely a wrapper, but it's a wrap. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but if they win tonight, then the pressure – goes on Boston a little bit. Boston actually will have a little bit of pressure because they've been, I mean, coming into this series, most pe most people pick the Golden State Warriors to win this series. So they 
game one, playing with no pressure. You know, they came off seven-game series against Miami. No one's expecting them to do well. They're in Oakland or San Francisco. And, uh, you know, they, they're playing with no pressure at all. But if they lose this game tonight, then we start to see, like, how good Jason Tatum and, and uh, Jalen Brown are, are really going to be, man. I, I can't wait for this game. But we got, they got to come through. They got to come through. They got to come through tonight, but, but don't you don't you get the feeling they are going to come through tonight? Honestly, What's I, your gut tell you? I, I, I do. I do. Um, I, I think whoever wins tonight's game wins the series, in my opinion. Okay. Because if the Golden State Warriors win this game and they make it a that. series, yeah. then I can see them going on to win right. the, uh, the NBA championship. But if Boston wins, I can see them actually, you know, obviously going on yeah. to win. Isn't it funny how the narrative changes game by game? Hilarious. It, it really is. I mean, <laughs> a, after game one, the way the Celtics came storming back, I was like, whoa, look at this Boston team. They're for real. And then, you know, you saw Steph Curry shake his head after that game when he's walking off the floor. And it was like, don't worry. We got this. And then, boom, the explosion happens in game two, specifically that second half where the Warriors uh, went crazy. And then all of a sudden, now you're going back to Boston, and it's like, okay, Warriors are back. Boston has struggled, you know, at, on their home floor. Yeah. And then what happens the other night, B-Cell? Boston wins 116-110. A big response by the Celtics. They built an 18-point lead in that game Wednesday night. Yeah. The Warriors came back, though. Took the lead. They took, came back in that monster third quarter yeah. again. Yeah. Uh, but remember, the Celtics had a 12-point lead uh, at the half. And... Uh, for the first time in my lifetime, and I think I can say this for you and everybody else, uh -huh. we saw a seven-point possession. Have you crazy. ever seen that before? I, I, no, I can't remember <laughs> ever seeing that before. I was, I was uh, at the station. I was at work in my office, door closed, yelling, yeah, I was going. Right, me too. I was going at I was at home doing that. <laughs> a seven-point uh, seven point possession. That was bananas, man. Yeah. Curry was doing his thing. All the narrative about Curry in the playoffs and not performing and blah, blah, blah. I don't want to hear anymore. I don't want to hear anymore. However, however, mm -hmm. uh, we need Steph Curry uh, as, as fans or people that are, you know, kind of cheering for the, the Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry, I, I need him to get a 40 point game. Yes. You know, a 40-point game. He would have had one in game number two if they didn't sit him down because he didn't even play the fourth quarter. Correct. He had, what, 29, I want to say? Correct, yes. So I, I think he could have gotten up to Played uh, 29 minutes in that game. And he had 29 points. Yeah. Yeah. 29 minutes. See, so <laughs> exactly, which is good because he, I mean, he needs a rest because obviously in game three they, they right. played the heck out of him. So right. uh, I need a 40-point game from Curry. And if you can give him that tonight and Draymond Green, if he can actually go into the building and play, if he actually if he actually goes into the building and puts on his uniform, actually plays with his team, then uh, I think something can happen tonight. And that's what I, I'm talking about. The narrative changes after every game. And yeah. so for the last two days, it's been Boston, Boston, Boston. There are a lot of people that are, are just writing the series like it's over already. Because, again, it's like I said, the Janet Jackson scenario, what have you done for me lately? People just, they always just, it's like, <laughs> oh, wow, like that's going to continue to happen Ooh, here. Uh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Nunchuck, we're calling you. <laughs> what have you done? Uh, look at you. I like the pool. I like the pool. You like that? Yeah. That guy. Uh, Olden Polonies. You remember o OP, of right? Of course, man. So OP was yeah. on yesterday. Really? And that that uh, interview is on the homepage on the website. You go check that out. Okay. TCMartinShow.com. He was adamant. And he says, the Warriors are winning tonight. There's no question Golden State's going to win. They're still going to win the series. Like People that. are going crazy. Yeah. And, and he just stone cold prediction Golden State's winning like 
it's a no-brainer that they're winning wow. tonight. And he made some great case, uh, case in points there by saying, you know, that Golden State always bounces back. The numbers back that up. Yeah. Boston, very inconsistent. We've talked about that before. Uh, again, yeah. you know, following up losses. Here's a stat for you. This okay. is a crazy stat. All right. Boston after a win, mm-hmm. three and six in the postseason. Wow. Golden State after a loss, Something five and zero. Oh. Yeah. Right. Wow. That's a heck of a stat. Boston after a loss, seven and zero. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So yes, this thing is destined. It seems like to go a seven-game series here, but it is just funny that for the last forty-eight hours we've just hearing Boston, Boston, Folks Boston, and they did. They they dominated the Warriors. They, they nailed him in the paint, uh, 52-26. They outscored Man, him in the paint. And block out. how about the boards? Block out. 47-31, Boston out-rebounded Golden State in game number three. That was terrible. That was terrible. It was driving me crazy. I mean, I get that Williams is tall and he's long and everything else, but block out. To what Draymond Green said after the game that he played soft, he did play soft. Um, Looney, as, as good as he was in the series against Memphis, he has and and um, and against uh, Dallas, yep. he's been terrible. I mean, he, not necessarily terrible. Well, he's been a no show. He's been, you know, what I mean, because he set a standard to how well he had been playing game three, in the playoffs. Game three, yeah, yeah. And I don't know how many minutes that he actually played in game three too. It seems like his minutes were down in game he three. Had, I want to say four points. Yeah, Draymond had two and yep. he had four. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't. He was rebounding like a monster. But the big thing is, a lot of people are saying. Put in Kaminga. What's gonna ha- you know? They need some size, um, uh, and put in uh, uh, Moody as well. I- I'm really interested to see what Steve Kerr does. I don't think it's hey the sky is falling. We got to change everything that we're doing, but they do need to do some things better. If Draymond Green just shows up and has a halfway decent game, they could have won Game Three. Oh, there's no doubt. Uh, Looney 16 minutes in that game, and the stats actually weren't that bad. Vsal he had 6.7 rebounds and three assists. So Looney actually has shown up. Yeah, that wasn't half bad, yeah. It, you know, that, that, there were some good numbers, but he wasn't really on the court much yeah. aside from starting the, the game and then yeah. starting the third quarter when the Warriors kind of made that run. And Looney is a, is a key piece, and, and so many of these guys, that uh, role players, the guys off the bench are key pieces. Now, I'll tell you who really didn't show up. I know you're going to say, yes. Yes, he did not. Gary Payton second didn't show up. Oh, I thought you were going to say Jordan Poole. Well, well that too, that too. But, but Payton... I mean, from the way he came in, like, game one, I was like, okay, this guy's back and everything. But game three, he really didn't do much at all. Yeah. A lot, uh, a lot of guys like that. But the Warriors, they go deep, as we know. Yes, yes. Offensively, we don't need GP2 to, to do much. Right. But we do need him to I – mean, you got to get down, man. Sit in the chair. He's got to lock down and play some D, man. Sit in the chair, That's why man. he's there, right? Yes. And they got to stop – everyone talked about this as far as the analysts are concerned. they got to stop giving up these straight-line drives. Mm-hmm. Like, guys getting the ball at the top of the key straight to the hole. Right. Like, man, get down. Stop, stop opening up the door and letting guys drive straight to the hole. Get down and play defense. And if you're a hooper, man, you know how to get down and play D. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, you D up, man. Like, yo, you're not getting by me. You're not getting to the rack, man. That's what you do if you're a hooper. Right. So they need to do that tonight, man. I need somebody to play some defense tonight. Play some D. And it's really got to start with Draymond Green, too. It really – because – He needs get, to show up. He needs to actually go into the arena and play with his team. Yes. <laughs> and it seems odd that we're saying that he did not do that in game three. But you can make the argument, b that he was the worst player on the floor in game three. Man, that's not even an argument. Right. I think that's a given. Yeah. Like, literally a given. Even and think about what we're saying here. I, know, <laughs> I, mean, I we, we I usually would not say that about it. You can say what you want about yeah. Draymond, about the attitude and, and the complaining and being one of the most hated guys out there. I understand all that sort of thing. But 
the bottom line is he usually shows up, and you're not going to get the scoring from Draymond Green that you got, you know, back in 2016. Okay, where he put up 27 points. Yeah. In the game. You're not getting that, but that's final. okay. But you know what? You're not supposed to get that out of him. You weren't supposed to get that out of Dennis Rodman back in the day. No. What you're supposed to get out of Draymond Green right now is rebounding. I'm going to give you some numbers here. And game one. Yes. Game one. Yeah. 11 rebounds. Game two. That's where you're supposed to be, right? Yeah. Game two. Five rebounds. Game, game three. three five rebounds in game two? And four in game three. Wow. So this is... What game two was his best game. You only have five rebounds. Right. So his energy was terrible in the, in, in the first and the, in the third game. Right. But no, you're right, man. Like, wow. And Draymond Green, he he needs he needs to be the intense person on the team. He needs to be the heartbeat, the energy of the team. Uh, and he has not been that. He has not. Been. Enough of the antics. Stop yelling at the referees, man. Play the game. How about you defend a dude in front of you? Yeah. How about that? That's it. How about how about you block out Williams, put a put a butt on him, and push him back and get the rebound? Stop letting him jump over the top of you. I mean, he. It's Steph. As well as Steph played, I mean, we can nitpick everything, but as well as Steph played in the fourth quarter after they got the lead, how many times did he turn the ball over in that next sequence? I know. Like next three or four sequences. We've seen this before. The Warriors very careless with the basketball. Yeah, we, at we the wrong that. time, too, because yeah. usually they're bad with turnovers. This right. game, they didn't have many, but the ones that they had were at the worst time of right. the game, right. inopportune. Back to what uh, Olin Polony said yesterday, okay. and we, I think we've all said the exact same thing that followed the Warriors, is that, that they get in these – you know, as I like to call it, party mode. And they got in that party mode in game one where they got up by, by 15. Yeah. And then they said, okay, now we're going to push it up to 25. Yeah. And they took quick shots. Yep. Boston did not go to the bench. They left their, their first string guys out there for the most part. And they clawed back and they clawed back and they clawed back. Uh, you know, you can't take quick shots and say, okay, yeah, we're on fire. We're going to let the crowd propel us like, the, you know, in game one. And, and they lost it. And, again, yeah. now all of a sudden then it starts getting crunch time. Boston's got all the momentum. But Golden State just has problems of being like, okay, we've been here before. Yeah. We're used to that. And there's just something inside that when you've had so much success and you've had 140 playoff games of the core of Curry, uh, Thompson, and Green that you – it's, it shouldn't happen, but it does happen. It, it happens during the regular season. Yeah. It happens during the early rounds. And now we're seeing it happen in the finals, which it shouldn't happen, where they just think we could turn it on and turn it off any time we want. Well, yeah. guess what? There are going to be times when you go to flip the switch, the battery's dead. <laughs> yeah, it's man. gone. That was wrong with the switch. Right? This dang switch ain't Especially right. on the road. Yeah, man. We, we need a uh, we need a, a, a jolt of energy. Yeah, yeah, no. Sometimes it doesn't work. The complacency and, and there it is. playing so lackadaisical. Like, I mean, as a person who's ever competed, it drives you crazy. It drives you crazy. Like, right now is when we need to get it done. Like, right now, let's go. What are you doing? And Draymond needs to be that guy to make sure that his team is completely laser-focused and I agree with you completely. Tonight they will be focused. Um, one thing we won't get from them is a lackluster game. Regardless of how, if the ball goes in or out or whatever, we won't get a lackluster game. Like we'll get Boston has their full attention. Uh, they know that they have to actually play a complete game. Um, but, yeah, man, we need, uh, we need focus. We need focus. And I'm saying we because I play for the Golden State Warriors. Of course obviously. you do that, right? <laughs> you got the colors on. <laughs> man, I'm, I'm, I'm from the Bay. I was born in Oakland. Come on, man. I, I went to the games as a you kid. You got the we. You saying the we. Exactly. Yeah. No. I, 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 I totally get it. I understand. But, uh, yeah, the, the, game, the game three 
the Warriors showed that sign. They were down 18 points thanks to the Boston turnovers. And Boston gets careless with the basketball, they too. They do. They do. And they made that run be set. Like we talked about, the seven-point possession. And then they got then they got to stop at, at the next end. And then they came back and hit another three. Do you know, they went on a 10-0 run in less than 40 seconds. Yeah. And they have that one-point lead. Yeah. And you're thinking, okay, here we are. And then all of a sudden, fourth quarter comes. Start throwing a the ball. They scored the 11. Yeah, I know. Now, Boston only scored 23 in the fourth quarter, 23-11 in the fourth quarter. And it's like that can't happen in a finals game. And, uh, again, and the crowd did have something to do with it. It, it pro- did. Propelling Boston. But the, uh, the Warriors, again, would you say credit to Boston in game three? Or is it more the Warriors self-destructed and just they got lackadaisical early and they caught up? But you can't find, fall behind by 18 and, it, and use all of that energy and then – to get it back again late, it's, it's too difficult. Yeah, I'm going to go. Uh, I, I got a pull for you here. I don't know if okay. you know this. Self-destruction. You're headed for self-destruction. <laughs> this is a KRS-One. It's, it's, yeah. it's an old school joint. Yeah, okay. Um, okay. But I, I think that uh, I think the Warriors self-destructed for sure. Because, yes. yeah, they had the one-point lead. And then, as I said, Steph Curry, I remember big, long cross-court pass, gets intercepted, they come back. Yep. They, they started playing terribly. For some reason, they believe as if, they can, they can hit the Boston Celtics, and Boston's going to give up. Or they're going to fall down like, okay, you got me, man. You know, we're done. <laughs> That's not going to happen. If you hit them, you got to keep hitting them. Right. It's one of them Michael Myers, man. They, they're not dying. You, gotta, <laughs> you, got to, you have to kill them. So, um, yeah, no, I think that the, the Warriors self-destructed. And I will say this. We've always talked this a million times. Working in Boston, going to a game at TD Garden, the energy inside there, I'm not going to lie, as far as basketball is concerned, is one of the, the loudest playoff atmosphere, too. One of the loudest atmospheres that you can be involved with. So, I mean, it, it is bananas in there. It's different. It's different than, like, you know, just a regular old arena, like yeah. going to Dallas or something like that. So the, the crowd helps them, and they do play better when the crowd, yeah. you know, most teams do. But still. Ah, no, Chuck. It took you a while. I, I can't hear it. I can barely hear it. I don't have my headphones, but yeah. <laughs> That's one of my songs. Right? Anyway, it got me, got me off track. Self-destruction, baby. Um, yeah, man, the crowd helped him out, but the Warriors self-destructed. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's what the Warriors do. With the knife. Look, Kumo D. <laughs> Hey, yeah. <laughs> My guy, Kumo D. You got to love it. Yeah. I keep saying I got to have him on. Got to get Kumo he's D He's a legend, man. Oh, he's my guy. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you told me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Especially when, he's, when he puts on the, the yellow suit like you do. Huh. Hey, yeah. Not so much a suit, but he'll go with the yellow pants and, and the yellow shirt. And it'll be leather. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and a 100-degree day, too. I'm not wearing leather. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm not a comedian. <laughs> he is Brian Salmon B. Sal, our sports director here at uh, – News 3, Numchuk, our DJ in the background. Numchuk bringing the heat. Oh, yeah. No matter what we bring up, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be coming, as you well know. Yes. Um, the big three for Boston. And before we get into the big three, because this is where I wanted to go, and then you, you went off sideways talking about, you know, getting your KRS-One there. Yeah, um, Yeah, beautiful. Um, you were in Boston. TD Garden was yeah. there and went up. You never got a chance to go in the old Boston Garden, no, did you? No, no. See, I, I want to talk to someone who – Actually, we've been in both to see what that is because I know that was a true home court advantage, especially in these days of the summer in June when it'd be like 110 in there because they didn't have any air conditioning. Yeah, like down below and And I heard about the the dead spots and the parquet floor and all that sort of thing. So yeah, they've got a very modern arena, but I think B South this trans you know transcends into the fans themselves because they are so passionate there. 
I mean, the building is one thing, but the building doesn't mean nothing unless you got the passionate fans to go by. And we could say that with the Golden Knights. I, I no, mean, T-Mobile is a great arena acoustic-wise. It's you know very good as well too, but you've got to put seventeen, eighteen thousand plus screaming yes. maniacs in there yes. to create that. Yes. And and with Boston, I mean, these guys have been season ticket holders forever. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, you're right. Uh, it's, it's definitely the Boston Celtic fan that makes the atmosphere. I mean, obviously the Boston Garden is what it was with the, with the hollow spots. And they used to, um, I, I heard that they used to always turn, turn off the hot water and the right. showers and everything else. <laughs> and the, 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 um, the locker rooms were below the floor and everything. I mean, I've heard all the stories. Yeah. Uh, and I can tell you this much. I remember pulling up. It's at the same spot for the most part. But I, I, I remember the... It was my first or second time that I, I pulled up to the Boston Garden when I was working there, and I parked, and it was a, a dumpster outside, and it was a, a rat, probably like a foot long, <laughs> literally like a foot long rat. Oh my goodness! I, so I'm, I'm sure, like downstairs, I mean, yeah. they had mice, all kind of stuff down there. But yeah, the atmosphere in Boston is absurd, and the fans are very, very loud. And as you know, like New York and everywhere else, they're very knowledgeable as well. Yes. Um, so and they know they play a huge part, as do like the Golden State Warrior fans and Chase. And, and, and they did at um, Oracle as well, yeah. man. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, part the, it's part the arena because, you know, Boston is still the garden, TD Garden, but it's still the yeah. garden. Right. But Boston Celtic fans, man, um, they're loud. They're obnoxious. They're 1,000% uh, loyal to their fan, to their team. And, uh, yeah, they get after the opposing squad, man. And, and that's the thing, too, and you're Bay Area native, so you know what I'm talking about. It, when the, the Warriors moved to the Chase Center, yeah. there was a lot of that talk. And, of course, it didn't help. The, fir the very first year they moved there was during the pandemic. They couldn't have any fans. And then even last season, for the beginning, they didn't have – they had fans but not very many fans. Yeah. And a lot of people were knocking and saying, okay, when these finals happen in, in San Francisco, the Chase Center – you know, what's that going to be like? It's not going to be the same as Oracle or before Oracle, same building, you know, in Oakland there, the Oakland County Coliseum Arena, and that was some, some raucous fans. They did not retain a lot of the season ticket holders from Oakland to San Francisco because oh, wow. they got priced out, Yeah, you know, yeah, because yeah. when they built that new building, yeah. and as you know, there are some people that, that live in the East Bay, they do not want to cross the Bay Bridge and go into San Francisco. So you got South Bay people that will, you know, now go because it's a shorter drive and that sort of thing. They don't want to oh, deal yeah. with the bridge, you know, traffic and all that kind of thing. Parking, but, uh, nine what, million all, all, dollars. All of it, yeah. I mean, so in the beginning, people were going, ah, this really isn't the same. But I think for these finals and during these playoffs, I mean, the Warriors were undefeated up until game yeah. number one at yeah. home. They've only lost one game. It's, it's now, what, eight and one. The Warriors are on their home floor in the Chase Center. So it's getting there and at least, like, if you're watching on television, both Boston and uh, San Francisco, the floors look similar to the old school. So yeah. you kind of yeah. you don't lose yeah. that. So I think that's that's a good thing. If they would have tried to change colors and do all this other nonsense, it, it <laughs> would have driven fans away. But the bottom line is, I've been in that Chase Center for the NCAA tournament, oh, and it yeah. was it was hopping in there. Was it? It was hopping. Here's really and, nice. And too. I know several of, of my friends and stuff who go to Warrior games regularly. They said, No, it's it's just as cracking. That's what I, that's what I hear, too. So it's, it's in, just like you said with TD Garden, I, I know that's the same way, too. But, uh, yeah, they, you got to try to recapture that. But it really is about the fans. It's it, about the fan base getting back in there. And um, I say one thing. I think Boston has really kept the fans from the old Boston Garden to the TD Garden where the Warriors kind of lost 
you know, because it's 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 a different type demo. of fan. It's a different demographic. Man. No, you're absolutely one thousand percent correct. I mean, Oakland, Oakland is much different than San Francisco. Yes, you know what I mean. Oakland. Well, is even much going different. back, Raiders, Niners. I mean, totally different crowd bases. Man, yeah, you think Black Hole and you think 49er fans. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, it's definitely more bougie, so to speak, yeah, in San go. Francisco because you know the price of a ticket is one gazillion dollars <laughs> and parking is is bananas. Yeah. And you know, like living in the the San Francisco. Cost-wise, cost of living is, is absurd. It's one of the highest in the country as opposed to living in Oakland, even though it's been gentrified and everything else. So, matter of fact, I just talked to a kid. I'm bringing this up, but I talked to a kid who is from Oakland. He's a musical artist, rapper slash singer, first person signed to the Golden State Warriors record label. Oh, wow. They have a record label, right? Yeah. I had him in studio yesterday. I did an interview with him, and uh, he's, he performed in Chase Center. But he's from Oakland, so he's been to the Oracle and everywhere else. And he and I were talking about it, and he said the exact same thing you're saying. He's like, man, it's completely different going to a game at Oracle, or Oracle as opposed to going right. to a game at the Chase Center. So, um, it, 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 and, and mainly because of the fan base. Like, people, yes. he, being from Oakland, you don't want to go there. Right. Like, ah, it's, it's not our team anymore. You know, like, Sam, hey, if you want to you wanna support the, the, the Golden State Warriors, you're from San Francisco, come to Oakland and support us. You know, but now it's the other way around, and people from Oakland are like, man, I'm not going to. See, I don't understand that that mindset or that logic because where the Warriors originate, San Francisco. I thought they, they originated in Philadelphia. Sam, well, yes, uh, of oh, course. Okay. I mean, yes, <laughs> yes, they did. Okay, but, but yeah. I'm saying when they came really? to California, their first. In what San were Francisco? they called? The Golden State Warriors. They haven't changed their name because they're representing the state. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. Hey, they used to play in San Francisco. Dude, they used to play at USF at the old War Memorial Gym. They used to play at the Cow Palace wow. back in the day. Okay. And and then they moved to Oakland, and people in San Francisco were a little burnt ah. about that, and it went to Oakland, and then they. They built the legacy there and all that. Matter of fact, you go back to that Rick Barry team uh-huh. of 75. Uh-huh. They ended up playing those games at the Cow Palace because the Oakland Coliseum Arena was, was booked. They were playing in the Cow Palace back in those days. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I, I didn't realize. I didn't realize uh, that they but, actually But, but here's my point. is like it's the Bay Area. Yeah. Okay. The Golden State Warriors. They're not the Oakland the Oakland Warriors. That, they used to be the San Francisco Warriors. Then Golden State Warriors. And, yeah. and so there's got to be this okay, this how, thing there. How about that? That is a good point. I didn't even know that. Because people in San Francisco used to go to Oakland all the time for those games. Yes, as they should because yeah. the game. But Oakland in- people are just. They're upset. That's what they are. Well, it's not like over there. And they love their team. Because they lost their, exactly. their team, so to speak. I know. But how about this? How do you think San Francisco people feel about the 49ers being in Santa Clara? Do you think it's the same thing? To a certain degree. Do you think not, they're like, man, I'm not going to Santa Clara. The well, game should be here in San Francisco. It's pa- not partially because you're talking about bougie. I mean, you go back to the old Candlestick Park, man. I've been, that, yeah. Yeah, been there, there you there. go. Uh, I, still, I mean, man, that, sometimes you take your life and go to, to both the <laughs> Oakland Coliseum as well as Candlestick Park, man. This is, this I, oh, is true. I, I've seen some fights at, at those parking lots. This in is true. Too. But anyway, yeah, there's, there's some of that. But, again, you're kind of going, you're still South San Francisco yeah. from the stadium around going to Santa Clara. I don't know, but it's bougie. So there is that element, but I think football is a little bit different because you're not going to games, you know, two, three times a week. You're not going to eight, uh, 41 home games. You know, football, you're going to eight, you know, maybe 10 preseason or playoff. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think that 
it's Matt not Apples the same. Apples? Okay. Uh, I yeah, there you. you go. Right. I don't think it's really Apples to Apples. I got you. I wonder how people, uh, how San Franciscoans feel about that, though. You know, because I don't necessarily know, but I no. wonder how they feel about that. They, they do. They, they, there is that fraction that feels like, man, Santa Clara, why move them out of there? It's, it's too bougie and this and that. And it's more expensive. It it's, is. It's, wow. Oh, dude, it's, it's like 100 bucks to park your car. Wow. At Levi Stadium. Silicon Valley. Oh, though. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. All but, right. And again, I mean, it's, it's close, but it's not like it's around the corner. I mean, it's like a 45-minute drive for a lot of people. See, yeah. Go to Santa Clara. It's, it's weird when teams do that sort of thing. I kind of off topic, off topic yeah, but it's okay. weird when, when teams do that sort of thing. Like, for instance, uh, Dallas moving from, uh, you know, Big D, Arlington right. to where they move. See, it's completely, you know, a different part of – it's not in Irving like it used to be. It's far right. away. Right. And I know people down there felt some kind of way about that. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, good point. It, it's, it's weird when, when teams, um, they move away from where – they're supposed to be at, you know yeah. what I mean, it's so to speak. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, regardless, um, I, I hope that when the games get back to San Francisco that they have the type of environment needed for the Golden State Warriors to perform well. Final thing on this since you were there, but the Patriots play in Foxborough. Yeah. What is the distance there? Oh, my and, goodness. And from what I hear, it's not an easy drive either. It's Foxborough, well, from where I, I worked at the Fox station in, in, um, in Boston, and it's in Dedham which is outside of the city. So yeah. if from my station to Foxborough was closer than right. coming from the city okay. to Foxborough, it's almost in between. Okay. It's, no, it's, it's, probably, it's probably 25 miles outside of Boston. Okay. Like, it's a long drive from Boston to mm. get to Foxborough. It's out in the middle of nowhere. Like, literally, mm. it, it'd be like uh, – It's like you're going to a college campus it's, yeah. it, with some of these. It's, it's, yeah. like, it's like if they put Allegiant Stadium in Boulder City. Okay, which is, which is still closer than where Foxborough right, right, right. is, you know? Right. What I mean? Yeah, yeah it, it's it's, and the good. good reason they don't call it yeah. the uh, the Boston Patriots, I guess they call right. it New England, so yeah. it's kind of New Englandish. But yeah, they're they're nowhere near, nowhere near. So if I'm jogging my memory here again, I'm it's clo- it's closer to Providence. Oh wow! They will fly into Providence yeah. to You're go right. to. You're right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so. I think the first team that actually did this, and I could be wrong here, but just it pops in my mind here, the first team that started building the stadium outside of their their, their city limits. I knew you're going. I knew you're going. It, Detroit. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, I heard the, about that. Auburn Hills, yeah, right? Yeah, I heard about that. And then you have the Pontiac Silverdome for the Lions. But, you know, the Tigers always stayed in Detroit. But, yeah, the Pistons. They, they Remember, felt some kind of way about it. I know Pistons went to Auburn Hills. Kind of, yeah. yeah. You know? They hated that, didn't they? That wasn't close. Yeah, it was, that was a bougie area. I'd never been. I've been to yeah. Detroit, but never been to Auburn Hills. Yeah. But I heard stories that they hated. Like yeah. people in Detroit were like, "What?" Well, exactly. So it's exactly what you're talking about. You're going back 30 years ago. Yeah, there it is. Good pull. Another good uh, pull. All yeah. right, I'm pulling, baby. Nunchucks <laughs> pulling the jams. I'm pulling some uh, some stats or whatever, some yeah. thoughts, and there it is. And B. Sal and I can talk NorCal. All day long. No history, question. man. We got we have the most meaningless knowledge in our head, <laughs> sports knowledge that we can pull. Sports and music. <laughs> That's it. We got that going. All right. We are live at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas here on this Friday afternoon. Brian Salmon, sports director over at News 3, is in the house. We'll talk more NBA finals. We got Raiders news to talk about as well. Sam Gordon's going to join us at the 3 o'clock hour. So don't you dare go anywhere. Come on down. Say hello. See the show. We've got listeners that are popping here writing us notes. I appreciate that as always. <laughs> That's uh, Always cool, man, here at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Back with a little bit more here on this fun Friday edition. Hey, this is Steve Heitner, and lucky you, you're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. Uh, That's gold, baby, gold. 
We are live at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas here on this Friday. Forgot to put the sign up today, B-Sal. Where's the sign? I know. I don't know. A nunchuck. We, we got to take our picture by the sign. Exactly. Nunchuck. You forgot to put up the sign. Is he? He did he come down and then go back to the? Uh, yeah, studio? but you know him. He's always like, sorry, you know. buddy. <laughs> he's like, you people, you TV people, radio people, uh, you, you, you. Look at this, B Sal. We got the Warriors, the Warriors little theme song, the starting lineup music going right now. You know that? Yeah. Uh, okay. Is, okay. And guard from Davidson, <laughs> number thirty, Stephen <laughs> Curry. Uh, I should have asked him to pull my guy, uh, Mason. It's M A Y. Z-I-N. That's the kid that I was talking about that's the uh, the first artist signed to the Golden State Warriors. He shot the video at Chase Center. They walking around the court. Steph Curry gave him a jersey with his name on it. Look Amazing. Like, yeah. He's got the, his face in this video in the big uh, screen outside of it was really dope. Like, it's, wow. it's really, really dope. And, and you had him on yesterday. Yeah, I played yeah. basketball with him. That's how I met him. Just hoping. <laughs> B-Cell's got game. Man, if, uh, if he were here, he would tell you because I, I didn't drop a whole bunch of threes in his face. Wow. <laughs> you know, your name actually came up uh, with me at, uh, at Aces practice last week as uh -oh. well, too. One of our fellow local uh, media uh -oh. personnel. Okay. And I already know who it is. You do, don't you? Yeah. Kevin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Kevin Martin, no she relation, by me, the way. <laughs> yeah. No relation. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, she was saying that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of hearing B-Sal, you know, talk about his hoop game on your show and everything. It's like, you know, I said, well, we should need to set something up. She goes, oh, I've been trying for a while. No, no, she don't let so her talk. So what's that all about? Kevin, he's talking out the side of her neck. That's, a, that's, <laughs> that's, what, we, that's what we call that. You've heard do that I, before. Do I, do I need to get both of you guys on the show at the same time? Please. I, I try to link up with Kevin. Yeah. yeah. She, what's she, the deal? She's. She called. She, she's a former hoopster. She's a former oh, player. I know. Very good, right? I know. Yeah, and, and she's got a pretty nice looking jumper. Even though uh, Bill Lambeer drowned her out when they played uh, horse. I hope she's listening oh, right see, now. Oh, see, I did not know that. It's on video. You can see okay. it. On, yeah, okay. She played horse with Lambeer. And I think she missed like a little elbow off the glass jumper or something <laughs> like that, and he beat her. Maybe it was pig, but uh, yeah, don't. I talk trash, as you know. Yes. I'll talk trash to Kevin. Please, I'll play horse with you. Her J is not as wet as mine. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't. It, ha get, it has to be horse. We. She don't want to play one on one. I want to play one on one with her. Okay. I mean, that's that's not. Okay. That's not competitive. It, it wouldn't be. No, it would not be. I don't. Okay. No, it would not be. Yeah, <laughs> no, it would not be. If we had a point spread on that and a game to fifteen, uh, what would be uh, what would be the point spread? Be oh. Sal favored by how many? Six. Six. Six yeah. and a half. Yeah, okay, easily, okay. Easily. And it has nothing to do with her being a female because I say that about a dude. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Cause now, because you wouldn't say the same thing if you were facing off against Kelsey Plum, would you? I told, I, I literally told Kelsey Plum where we were, uh, I can't, after the, the game they just played against Dallas. Yeah. I was like, I, I'll, I can shoot with you. <laughs> I can shoot with you. Like, and and what did she say? She was like, okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, I told Bay the same thing. Okay. Yeah, please. Like you're you're talking to a dude. Like obviously, I've never played pro, but like I've I played high level basketball against professionals, mm -hmm. and I've done well against professionals, <laughs> and and pickup games. I, I know that this thing goes nowhere. Okay, so if we're playing a game of horse, you and Kevin, um, what's uh, you're favored by how many letters? Are you spotting no, her? No, what do you what, what would you spot her? You know what? I wouldn't say. I'd say this. I'd say this. This is a better um. This is a better barometer. Okay. Of, uh, saying uh, we'll shoot, th shoot three pointers five from each spot. 
Okay. So if we did that. Okay. Well, you said horse. But that's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's better. That's better. Okay, go ahead. So if we did that from uh, from baseline, elbow, top of the key, elbow, baseline, like they do for a three-point yeah. contest, yeah. I beat her. Okay. Absolutely beat her. No question. One thousand, no question. I beat her. All right. And you tell her, I, I beat her. We're going to have to hook this up. And, and if, yeah, if you set it up. So uh, I'm on the verge of hooking this up because I had both – uh, Kelsey Plum and, and Teresa Plaisance on with me last week. Okay. And, um, you know, we're always talking to Plum about her arm. You know, she threw out the first pitch yeah, at the Aviators good. game uh. and then and throwing footballs, you know. So we've done all this stuff before and we've taught. And so when I had Teresa Plaisance on and kind of the, the one-on-one get to know her, she was talking about how she played football with the boys and everything and how she just, you know, she was a great quarterback, she ah, said back in the day. Okay. So then I mentioned Plum and she goes, Oh no no, me, me over plum. And, she, and what she said That's was, what I want to hear. And what she said, she said, she goes, listen. She goes, I can see over the the offensive line. She goes, plum plum, she's gonna get buried back there. So then I said, okay, I'm gonna have to set something up. And she goes, no, let's let's do this. So we're gonna, I'm gonna set up a a football. Uh, like a seven-on-seven seven drill, uh-huh. and we're gonna try to do this at Allegiant Stadium with Mark Bless- wow. with Mark Davis's blessing, right? Wow. So when I told Plum about this, and I said, "Hey, there's one of your teammates that's that's calling you out, you know, because we've always talked about your arm." She goes, well, "Yeah," and she goes, she goes, "I know who it was, kind of like what you just did. Yeah. I knew who it was." <laughs> and then, uh, okay, who was it? And she goes, "It was Chelsea, Chelsea Gray." I go, oh, "No, really? I go, it wasn't Chelsea." She goes, "Was it?" She goes, "Oh, it was Dierica." I go, "No, it wasn't." And then I told her, she goes, play songs. She don't want none of this smoke. <laughs> she says, you don't want none of this smoke? <laughs> oh, wow. I heard and that. And so then, so we, we got done doing the interview. Play songs was walking by. And Kelsey put down the headset and says, you, you try and think you got a better arm than me? You want some of this? And, and, it, oh, I, and I, I, wish, I wish I, I would have continued it. the recording, but I slapped the recording TC, off. TC, you're it not was, a rookie yeah, in the yeah. game. What are you doing? <laughs> You stopped recording? Yeah, because, I'm, okay, it's over. You know what I'm saying? Oh. And then I had no idea Plum was going to go after. It was great. Oh, that's, that is yeah. that is great. Yeah, and I got, like, uh, we played it back uh, last week at Numbchuck, and I said, I only got, like, the first, like, two seconds of, Terrible you think you got me? And then, yeah. Well, I wasn't uh. expecting that we're going to go, you know, they're going to start jawing you got to use your peripherals, man. You see yeah. her walking by, and I, you know how Kelsey is. Yeah. She's crazy competitive. Yeah. And she likes it. She talks trash. You see the looks and all that stuff oh, when I she's know. on the court. Oh, that's that's great. That's great. We do love we do love our races, though, don't we? Of course, man. Of course. Yeah. Um, you saw that I posted the the one on one that I had with Kelsey after the game against Dallas. Um, she granted me an exclusive little one on one after the game to kind of talk about her, you know, her career high and meeting Tom Brady and everything else. Right. And when she walked up to me, she's like, "I'm only doing this because it's you." I was like, that's my girl. KP, <laughs> KP is good people, though, man. She's really good people. Um, she didn't happen to mention she just left me off the postgame show before. Then she went to you. She didn't say well, that, though. She, she went in and showered, just, and then she. I know. I yeah. Know and I, I mean, I, bar- I had basically had to beg Jiggy to get it. Oh, really? Well, I mean, I was like, hey, man, it, we're doing our Sunday show. This will be my interview. Yeah. You and know, that, I'm not asking you to and bring And your it timing was perfect, too. Career high. Ty's career high. Perfect. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I've, I've had KP on. A number of times, like he's brought her down. He yeah. brought her to the studio. You saw when when she had her gold medal with Jackie yes. Young. Yeah, no, that I was, was like, beautiful. That was dope. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I, I, and I've met her brother and her parents. They were there. Have been at a game, mm-hmm. um, and I remember talking with with them. Her brother is like a fireman or something like that. He's all shredded up. Right. Like this dude, man. Like really, <laughs> that's what the whole family looks like. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I told you this story. Eric Allen, whom you know, yeah. uh, plays for the played for the Raiders. Right. 
Uh, he told, and he's from San Diego, which Kelsey Plum is from San Diego. He said that the first big recruit to come out of San Diego, Kelsey Plum's dad. Really? Yeah. Okay, I did not know that. Yeah, he's yeah. like, yeah, her dad was like the first big recruit to come out of, like, like a big-time quarterback back in the day. Okay. Good. Well, uh, we know Plum comes from an athletic family. Yeah, There's no, exactly. And, and she's just uh, phenomenal. And then she's a great I, re I really am so glad for her and Dierica Hamby that they are getting the opportunity to start because they've always wanted to start. Yeah. You know, and uh, you know, and just the opposite. You mentioned Bay Raquana Williams. She likes coming off the bench. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize that she was a former six woman of the year going yes. back in 2013 with yes. the Sparks. Yeah. And she. So when I was talking to her because she's getting ready to come back now, and she says, "I'm fine." I'm totally fine. I prefer the bench where Plum and Hamby really didn't. But, you know, Lambeer, that was his thing. That was his decision. And they did really fight it. But they, if they're honest with you, they will tell you, heck yeah, I wanted oh, to start. Of course. Of and uh, I think you and I talked, and stop me if I already told you this, but when I talked to Becky Hammond in the beginning, I told you what she said about Kelsey Plum. No, what? So we were talking to, to Becky, and I said, okay, you know, what are you going to do or what's, you know, your decision with, with Plum and Hamby about starting them versus coming off the bench? And she goes, oh, no-brainer. She goes, Kelsey Plum, best player on the floor. Right? First practice, Sar, best player on the floor. Compared her to Michael Jordan as far as her work ethic. Wow. And wow. her work ethic specifically, but what she brings to a team. Wow. And she goes, you haven't seen the best of Plum yet. And I remember Plum when she played at Washington. Oh, yeah. University of Washington. When she was she, in, the, in the country still yes. to this day. Yes. Over 3,000 points yes. in her college career. And then she wasn't able to duplicate that, you know, in the WNBA uh, for, you know, for team, system, you know, coaching, all that other kind of stuff. So now this is like a perfect fit for her. But for Becky Hammond to compare her to Michael Jordan, not literally, but what yeah, she's course, saying is that same skill set, same type of, of work ethic that, no, best player on the court, it starts with Kelsey Plum. Doesn't wow. start with Asia Wilson. It starts with Kelsey Plum. Wow. That's, that's high praise. Yes. That's high praise. Yeah. Uh, and, and honestly, I'm not shocked that she said that. I'm really not shocked that she now, said Becky that. Becky is a former guard, played the of same course. position. She said she used to hoop with them when they were down in San Antonio. Exactly, right. Um, but she also told me this when I had her in, is that Kelsey Plum is, and you know this already, the, the best conditioned athlete on the team by far. And that's what she was talking about, that and the work ethic. By yeah. far. Yes, yes. And Kelsey will tell you that she's, you, <laughs> me, you remember after the, what, after the first game of the season when they, you know, they went to Washington, he's yeah. like, you know, like, hey, I think I'm the best conditioned athlete in the, in the game. Right. You know, no disrespect, right. but, man, I was worn out like having to fly across the country and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. and she is. I mean, you. Facts. Her and Jackie Young, I, I don't think I've ever seen either one of them breathe hard. Yes. You know, I'll, I'll throw Hamby in that mix as well, too. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, she's just, you know. She's a heck of an athlete. Tremendous athlete. Yeah. Yeah. And she, you know, that's why I call her the de-energizer because she's just ah. up and down, up and down. And you, and you love that. But, no, I'm, I'm glad for both of them that they're getting an opportunity to start. And, again, Aces with the best record in the WNBA at 10-2. And, two, yes. and yes. BSAL, the that. only team that has five, they're starting five, all averaging in double digits. How cool is that? <laughs> I mean, yeah. How cool is that? And, I mean, they're, they're starting five. I mean, they're, they're hoopers. Yes. They're all hoopers. And they're doing this without the person you were talking about earlier that is a former sixth woman of the year. Mm -hmm. She hasn't even played this season. Right. Bay, man. Bay is one of my favorite players on the team. Yeah. After 
having her in studio and, and kind of you know kind of picking her brain and seeing what she's like she's real quiet but yeah. she's she's a hooper and she's she's good people yeah her jay she would just thrive in this system she hasn't had a chance to even play this she played one ain't. game she got 14 points yes in the in, the, in limited time come on man off the bench man that if, one game then she got hurt and re-injured it again and, and so it, it's forced becky to to play the the rookie i can't remember the rookie's name the smaller rookie that that uh, can shoot uh, yeah, Asia Shepard. Yes. She kind of forced her to play her, even though she probably shouldn't be getting the minutes right now. Correct. Yeah. Those are the minutes that Bay would be getting. And right. Sid Colson, honestly, would yeah. be, you know, Bay would be getting those minutes. Yeah. Um, as soon as they get her, whoo. And she should be ready to play tomorrow night in Los Angeles. Play it now. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And Jackie's supposed to be back, too. Good. Yeah. Well, the time frame there, they weren't sure how long it was going to be, but. Yeah, they'll, they'll be back. And with all that we've said about Kelsey Plum and how well she's played this year and she's been hoping she's been a player of the week, the reigning player of the week in the Western Conference of the WNBA, Jackie Young's played better. <laughs> it, is it is amazing. No. <laughs> and I'm just I'm, I'm laughing and shaking my head because I, I, I'll admit, I mean, I was one of those guys when Bill Lambert drafted her number one overall. I was like, you had Arika Agumbawali and others that you could have had. Her former teammate at Notre Dame, who was just a light-up scorer, and Bill said her, her game, her game is just so complete. She's going to lock down the best defender. She's going to get in the paint. She's going to be physical, and has taken Jackie time because again, you know, she had to work out the kinks of her shot. Her shot was too flat. It was line drive. Yeah, uh, that changed dramatically during this past offseason. But like you said. Uh, one of the best conditioned athletes, oh. uh, d just, again, ultra-focused. And what she's doing is, like, amazing. And I, I can't even say that I saw that coming. No, no I don't think anyone saw that no, coming, honestly. No. The leading mean, scorer averaging 19 points for the, the leading scorer, more than Asia Wilson, Kelsey yes. Plum, and Chelsea Gray. Hey, what is her, yeah. I, I wish I knew what her shooting percentage was. Who, uh, Jackie Young. Jackie. Because yeah. besides that one game, top of my head, yeah, but. besides that one game yeah. where she she had an off night, mm -hmm. she she had to have been shooting like 55, 60 yeah. percent from the field. It's there. You're I right. I mean, she has been hooping. Man, I I've really been impressed with how. And this is the thing that that cracks me up about Jackie Young is the fact that you you if you look at her face, you don't know if she scored 35 points right. or she scored two points in the right. game. Right. <laughs> Right. She gets a half-court shot. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. I, and a lot of the media, they look at her and say, "Well, she really doesn't give us much because she's like very monotone." But it's just that's just her personality. That's just how she is. Right? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's how, and she's a perfect fit because she's never going to complain about her minutes. About the anything. Six, like you said, the success. She could score, you know, 26 one night. She can score six the other. Her demeanor will be identical. The same. Yeah. The same. Yeah. yeah it's, it's. She never gets too high mm. and she doesn't really get too low you can see every once in a while she'll be upset if she missed a mm. shot or something like that but yeah jackie young I, i'm i'm a huge jackie young fan mm. i've had an opportunity to just kind of talk to yeah. her and whatever any i did one like one of her first interviews 54 mm. percent yeah that's that's good to hear i mean for a, a guard <laughs> it's insane are you kidding guard? yeah from three-point range she's got to be shooting at least and, like 40 and, to 50 percent too throw this in there bisa it's not like she has Uncontested shots. She's no, driving in yes. the lane, shooting over bigs. Yes. And again, now she's added a three-point arsenal yes. to her game. How about so the left hand too. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's that percentage is incredible. If you know basketball, it's incredible for a guard. Yeah, for a guard. 
Uh, I've always said this, and I'll say it again. I appreciate you covering the Aces. You're one of the, the, the few guys in town that, that covers you. it. And for fans who, especially here at the Cosmopolitan, a lot of times we get a lot of tourists that may be from other cities. Uh, you, I want you, from your perspective, if people haven't seen an Aces game, why they should go. Well, for, I, I appreciate it, TC. Thank you for, uh, yeah, I do my job, but I do it and I enjoy doing it. Like, I, I make sure that I... I'm the only sports director that you see at Aces games, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is not a knock on anyone else because everyone has, you know, bigger sports departments in this in in our market than than here, but uh, than me. But yeah, the Aces games, man. I, I tell everyone that wants to listen that it's it's the, one of the best tickets in Las Vegas. One of the best tickets in Las Vegas. Who cares if they don't have 5,000 people in the arena? Sometimes they will. The energy and the excitement of the games will rival T-Mobile Arena with 18,000 people in there. And it's, and that's not hyperbole. Yeah. That's that's real talk. And on top of that, if if Tom Brady thinks it's cool enough to go watch an Aces game, I think that the regular person should go watch Aces game. If Darren Waller thinks it's cool enough, if LeBron James, thinks, if Kobe Bryant, if Bill Russell, I keep saying this. Yes. Do you remember when he was? Yes. Bill Russell at yes. an Aces game. Yeah, Bill good. Russell. That's, that's not Bill Russell. Are you kidding me? Like, come on. The icon. Exactly. Man, if, yeah. if Chris Paul, Russell, if they yeah. think it's cool enough to go watch an Aces game, man, um, uh, Dave Justice. You remember seeing Dave yes, Justice? Yes. Like, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Hey, man. The, the, uh, and those are just a few that, that, that catch our eye. Just a few. Yeah, exactly. Just a few. Yeah. That's yeah. great. It, 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 great point. It's great games to watch, man. And on top of that, as you said, Best record in the WNBA. That's it. Exactly. And we'll be the first team that wins the championship. I said that three years ago. I'm saying it again. I know you echo that same thought. Yep. They'll be the first team that Amen. wins a a national uh, that wins a, a championship. One All right. Thing. We are here live at the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas. You good to hang? Yeah, I'm good to hang, okay. man. If, yeah, we're waiting on Sammy. It's all good. I'm, I've been late, so I, I'm definitely here to hang, man. You, there you go. You're you, you got me, player. You got me. Uh, like the roots. All right. More Warriors Celtics breakdown. Hour number two. We'll give you our predictions. Talk about from a sportsbook betting perspective as well, too. We got Raiders news to talk about, NFL, oh, yeah. and a whole lot more. Hour one in the books. Hour two on the other side of the hour. TC Martin, Brian Salmon with you right here, live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas on this fabulous Woo. Friday. Come to the Cosmo. Huh. And the flush. Oh. capital of the world. Bring your lunch. It's the T.C. Martin Show. With a flex of the muscles. Diagnosis. Look at that. Oh, my goodness. Prognosis. He does a lot of things out on the floor, including dunk. Osmosis. Wow, he could really bounce off the floor. It's the doctor. We got a five-point game. Three minutes to go. T.C. Martin. Two, glad to have you here at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, the T.C. Martin Show, of course, streaming live, tcmartinshow.com. Brian Salmon in the house here today, our sports director here at News 3, and I say to him, 
dedicating the show to two of my favorite media brethren oh. here in Las Vegas. B-Sal, hour number one. He's going to hang. And, of course, Sam the Man Gordon from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, the pride of Minneapolis-St. Paul. That's it. we got New Orleans covered. we got Boston covered. we got the Midwest covered. Yeah. we got the Bay Area covered. We got, Of course we got the Bay Area covered. <laughs> Valley Joe, as we used to say back in the day. NorCal, Warriors and Celtics tonight. Game number four. Must win game for the blue and gold, or I guess they're wearing a lot of black and gold now, too. The Golden State Warriors. So we'll continue talking about game number four tonight. That'll tip off a little bit after 6 o'clock. Steph Curry on the TD Garden floor now, uh, stretching out to that leg. Make sure he's uh, good to go tonight. Robert Williams, uh, been nursing an injury as well, too, for Boston. So huge game, and we break it all down more for you here in hour number two. We'll also talk a little Raiders. Uh, the just-concluded minicamp here in Las Vegas at the facility in Henderson. We'll talk about that with uh, my two media brothers here, Brian Salmon and Sam Gordon. Sam, what's going on, my man? TC, happy Friday. Big game tonight. Woo! I'm excited. I'm excited. I can feel the buzz, right? Uh, Being here with you guys, Sportsbook of the Cosmopolitan, I feel the buzz for game four, and I cannot wait. You got that right. As, and we just got in talking about the Aces, and Sam, yeah. of course, covers Aces as well. As uh, Becky Hammond says to me, every game day, she goes, it's game day. <laughs> that's it. And that's what today is. It's game day, right? Oh, man, yeah, definitely feeling it, man. We got Sammy the Bull in the in the building. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he got the game day beard, man. It's fresh. It's glistening. Hey, it's glistening over here. I appreciate that, I appreciate that. You always call Sam Sammy the Bull. Where would that come from? I don't know. I just started calling him that. Uh, and, and he accepts that, huh? Of course. Yeah, I love a, it. That's not a bad nickname, man. No, I, yeah. I like that. Yeah, it, it fits. I mean, he's swole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sammy's that, good folks, appreciate man. It, appreciate it. Yeah. All right, Sam, so let's talk about uh, game number four here tonight at the TD Garden. Uh, the Warriors find themselves uh, down 2-1 like uh, B-Sal and I were talking about. It's funny how the narrative changes after every game. And right now for the past 48 hours, it's all been about Boston, talking about the Celtics. But let's don't write the Warriors off just quite yet. I know you picked the Celtics, Sam, on the show here last week, saying Celtics in six here. But as we get ready for game number four, uh, let's talk about what your eyes have seen in games one, two, and three. Yeah, I think Boston is just – Boston just has more good players, T.C. Boston, when, when, you, when you look at what Boston has, they just have more – more players that are capable of creating and executing their own offense. A lot of pressure on Steph Curry, and that's because Clay Thompson in the stage of his career, not quite the same player he was off the dribble. Lights a little bright for Jordan Poole. Where does that offense, where is that offense going to come from outside of Steph Curry tonight? That's what I'm waiting to see because when he's great and when he's playing great, the Warriors are great. And when it's more of a half-court game and Steph's not getting those runouts and those, those catch-and-shoot threes and Golden State can't play with the pace they want to, and when Boston's keeping them in the half-court, Golden State really struggles to score. So uh, I knew Boston's defense was going to be the most challenging defense Golden State's played against. It was a you know, relatively uh, easy path for the Warriors given their talent and their experience. But Boston uh, went through a, an absolute gauntlet to get here, and you can tell. They, they were totally prepared, I thought, in Game 3. I thought uh, Ime Udoka did an excellent job preparing uh, his team for the, the, the wrinkles and the adjustments, the physical adjustments that Golden State threw at Boston uh, in Game 2. They were ready for that. And now with Steve Kerr's opportunity to adjust, uh, wondering if we're going to see a little bit more Jonathan Kaminga tonight. Boston so physical, so much more athletic, dominated the glass, uh, protecting the, the, the paint on both ends. 
I think they need a little bit more juice. They need somebody that can rebound. I would not be surprised if Kaminga gets a look tonight, given how bad they lost the boards the other night. And that's the thing, though. Mm. You just don't know which direction Steve Kerr is going to go because the Warriors are so deep. And we've seen guys who have come in off the bench, you know, whether it was Andre Iguodala in game number one or, you know, you guys mentioned Jordan Poole. He's kind of the constant, you know. We got Moody. We got Gary Payton the second, you know. Yeah. You, just, you never know who that could be. And we've seen Kaminga in earlier series. But I would like to see more Kaminga. But, you know, uh, Kevin, uh, Kayvon Looney is a guy that, you know, he starts for the Warriors and he gives them some quality minutes. And not, you know, B. Sal and I were talking about this last hour that, like, well, you know, Looney really didn't do much in, in the last game. Well, he actually didn't play that many minutes. So he played 16 minutes and, and he still had, and I remember what the numbers I said, he said he still had something like 7.6 rebounds, 5 assists. Uh, you know, he's, he still put up some decent numbers. He is key, but you just never know who it's going to be night in, night out with the Warriors. And I think that is one of the luxuries that they actually have because they have so much depth and they can hit you with that, that second unit can come in. Well, they're going to have to lean. I think they're going to have to lean on tonight. And I'm curious, who's, who's going to be that second score, TC? Because when you talk about game three the other night, they got 25 from Clay Thompson. It still right. wasn't enough. I, I think we need to also address, you know, kind of the obvious. Where's Draymond Green been? I mean, he's brought nothing in terms of his output. Yeah. Yes, in game two, his, you know, his, his antics, his, his level of energy, I thought was able to frustrate Boston a little bit. But you could tell in game three, Boston was prepared for anything that he might bring. And then when you're talking about the productivity, what do you have, two, four, and two the other night? Yes. That's not enough. Yeah. right? We know that his he's a little bit of a liability as a scorer, but he's still a guy in terms of facilitating and playing with pace and making sure other guys getting involved. And, and defensively, you count on him in the, on the glass. He's not doing those other things that have made him a valuable player. We know he's not going to score, but if he's not rebounding and he's not creating for other guys, then what's he doing? Is he just getting cardio in? Because that's what has been so far this series. Yeah, yeah he's been terrible. He's been terrible. As we were talking earlier, uh, I, I just, as a Warrior fan, I would, I'd appreciate if Draymond Green would actually put on his jersey and, and come to the arena tonight. Because I mean, he didn't even come inside TD Garden last game. I mean, he didn't even show up at all. Uh, he, he was horrendous. So, yeah. But he also needs to bring defense. Yeah. He has to bring energy. Yep. He's got to rebound, as you said, set guys up and play. You gotta, and you got to play defense. Um, yeah. Yeah, Draymond, he, he was a complete no-show. But I think that, uh, I think that, Steph is obviously going to show up. I think Clay is going to be Clay from here on out. I don't think the 25 was just an admiration and that I think he's good. Jordan Poole, uh, you, you can go ahead and join the finals if you like. Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead and, and com compete with your team if you want to, man. Like, go ahead and show up. He's done absolutely nothing. So they'll have two scores. I think they need three because Boston has gotten three. Yeah. That's, where, that's where it's been. They've gotten three, not just two. I mean, Jaden Brown and uh, – and Jason Tatum have done okay, but then they had three 20-point uh, plus scores. Marcus Smart had 24 points in the game. So uh, if the Warriors can get someone else to help contribute something to the game, then I think they can come back and, and win this thing. So we'll, we'll see. You can make the argument that Draymond Green was the worst player on the floor in game one, where he only had two points, and game three. Uh, in game two, he was good. He had, he had nine points, but... He only put up four shots in game yeah. two. He was one for four, got a majority of his points at the free throw line in game number two. But here's the thing with Draymond Green. Okay, so he is, you know, enemy number one there in Boston. Yeah. And in every arena that he goes to, yeah. we, we get that. But what is so disgusting is, yes, his attitude and the jawing. And you know Warrior players are just thinking, okay, man, you know, just shut up. Shut up and play. We are tired of this. But, of course, they're not going to say that publicly. No, but it, it really has got to be – you know, irritating to them. 
When you get Draymond Green, you know you're not getting the Draymond Green in, in 2016 where he had 27 points against Cleveland. Okay, that's long gone. But what you do expect from Draymond Green is, like you said, defense and rebounding. Game yeah. one, he had 11 rebounds. Game two, he had five rebounds. Game three, he had four rebounds. That's unacceptable. That's, He's going backwards. And, again, the Warriors don't have this great size. We talk about Looney coming off the bench, but he, rare, he hardly even plays. He, he, he won't even play in games. They got crushed on the boards in that last game, 47 to 31. They got crushed in the paint, 52 to 26. They need Draymond Green to not only just be this fiery, emotional leader, but they need him to rebound yeah. and take care of Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. Where they decide to put him on, <laughs> that's what he needs to do. And if he does that, then all of a sudden, this is advantage Golden State. Wouldn't you guys agree? Well, the, the it's Golden State, uh, to your point, TC, Golden State's giving up. I mean, they just, they're not as big and they're not as athletic. Like, yeah. you can't. There's nothing you can really do to, to necessarily – I mean, that's just the reality. They have to accept that. What can they do defensively to overcome those things? I thought Boston – I mean, again, that's why I'm so curious to see how, the, how what adjustments Golden State makes tonight. I thought Boston made a number of key adjustments. We didn't see the two big lineup out there as much for Boston. Horford and Rob Williams weren't playing at the same time. That creates more space. You have more ball handlers, and it, it's one less player Draymond can – you know, hide on. You have to. He has to come out of the on the perimeter now. Now that opens things up for the other wings to crash the offensive glass for Robert Williams or Al Horford, whoever's down there doing his thing. How does Steve Kerr combat that? What kind of adjustments are we going to see? And then, as it pertains um, to the Warriors' offense, that what are, what can they do in the half court to get the thing going? I think a lot of their their best offense has been uh, with Steph when, when Steph's just when they abandon their motion. Steph's just running straight pick and roll. That's when they've been able to to really be successful. That's not sustainable. That's not tenable for. 48 minutes. Draymond is so key in helping them play with pace when he grabs rebounds and is able to push. They, to your point, need him. They need that element of transition in their offense because their half-court offense just isn't good enough. So what adjustments can they make to unlock their transition offense? We'll see tonight. Maybe Boston's just too good. You talk about Robert Williams. Robert Williams was uh, 8 for 10. Actually, 8 points, 10 rebounds, 3 steals, Four blocks in that yeah, last game. His defense is huge. Yeah, and, and I know huge. they're a little concerned about him, you know, playing in back-to-back games, especially with, with the one day off. Okay, you're not getting the, the three days off like we had in between, you know, the other games. But uh, this is going to be a quick turnaround here. So what is he going to give tonight? Uh, I think that's that's a big question here. So go ahead. No, yourself. I was going to say I think that I mean, he, Williams has, has been great. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I don't yeah. think that his injury is going to slow him down. He, he seems like one of those kind of warrior type of dudes, no pun in, in, mm-hmm. intended, um, that he's going to fight through that. His defense was so massive because yeah. guys going to the rack were getting it. You know, give me that. Give me that. You know, guys are they, – they know that he's around. Steph trying to throw floaters, you know, yeah, to the you moon. Have, you have to account for him. He's Absolutely. such a presence, B-Sal. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I love what he's brought to the team. One thing I will push back on as far as uh, his – Draymond – Green's teammates, I think they love him. Because I, I heard someone, I heard um, uh, Williams, what was Williams' name that used to play for the uh, the sixth man of the year, Williams? Lou Williams. Lou yeah, Williams. Right. Lou Williams on a Knuckleheads podcast talked about Pat Bev and how he talks crazy and he, you know, he, he's like Draymond Green basically right. of, of his team. The he, he, <laughs> yes, he said 400 out of 400 players in NBA will want to play with him. And I agree with Draymond Green. I think 400 out of 400 NBA players want to play with him because if he's on your team, you love him. If he's on, if he's on the other team, you can't stand him. Um, even with his antics, but along with the antics, you got to bring a you game along with it. You yeah, got you you to make yeah. an impact. You got to bring a game. You got to bring a game along with right. it. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I think that uh, the Warriors here tonight, they get something from Draymond Green, they're going to be good. I think they get something from Clay and Steph, they'll be good. Uh, but they, they need someone else. Jordan Poole, I think, is one of the people whom needs to be a, a third scorer. Someone's got to score or help score, and Draymond's got to not be Ben Simmons. Here's the thing, though. There are some of those Warriors that are still around going back, you know, to 2016 when Draymond Green, you know, had too many technical fouls, had to sit out game five, and you could say he he he, caught, he was a big reason why the Warriors blew that 3-1 lead yeah. against Cleveland. There's no yeah. question about it. The narrative, you know, definitely changes about the, you know, the so-called dynasty or whatever you want to call it with, with the Warriors. Who would have uh, – Kevin Durant still may be a member of the Warriors. I mean, that that, that is, is legit. Here's what you don't need. You don't need Draymond Green to be a distraction like because you know going into this in, – into Boston – in the, the last game that, you know, he was going to be, you know, the crowd was going to give it to him. He was yeah. going to give it back. You don't need him arguing with referees. But here's another element that not a lot of people are talking about. Some people are talking about it, but we haven't talked about it yet. You do not need in the midst of the NBA Finals to hear Draymond Green talk about that he is the greatest defender in the NBA history. And this is what he's saying. He you, said you, that during the series? Yes. He said it at the beginning. And it's like, you don't don't need to say this like i i need more respect i'm the greatest defender ever this and that these guys can say this say that you got to turn that off and you got to shut up and play uh, and you got to shut up and produce i'll say this for for sam and then i'll let him have it if you're going to say that don't talk about it be about it that's my point exactly but but and i will say this as well as a competitor sometimes he may be saying that to get himself going yeah yeah you know yeah, what i mean he's yeah. saying that to get himself going but at the same time man you got to be smart enough this guy's a veteran me. man show me you know show me well yeah. this this is who draymond i mean this is it's, it's just part of draymond it's part of who, yeah. who he is and and you draymond's one of those guys like a 90 10 guy like 90 percent of what he brings you love and as a result, you live with the other 10%. I like now, that, maybe, I like maybe that. Draymond at this stage of his career, because he's not much of a scorer anymore, maybe he's an 80-20 guy, yeah. or 75-25 right, guy. Right, right. But overall, when Draymond is on and he's playing well, we understand what a massive difference he makes. And, and that's the thing. The, the, he's been neutralized in this series. So if you're, you forget about the offense. He's not a guy you can count on offensively. But, again, he's such a crucial part of what they do defensively and of their pace and tempo yeah. offensively. Not with his scoring, but with his ability to, to get everybody else going and play make a little bit in transition. So, yeah, there's a lot of pressure on him tonight, but it's not just him. It's on all of Golden State. Steph Curry has come to play this entire series. Yes. He needs guys to come with him. Right. Steph by himself against a Boston Celtics team where you got seven, eight guys that can all play both ends of the floor, seven, eight two-way guys and two, you know, top-end players in Jalen Brown and, and, and Jason Tatum that are capable of getting 30, you need more guys if you're Steph to come with. That's the trick. Boston is so good defensively and they're so sound and so physical that they are making every, you know, making really, making it really, really hard on everybody else on Golden State. Steph's going to get his. Who is coming with him? You know what, Sam? I said this earlier to TC. I think that Steph, he, as you said, he's been playing lights out. He's been the best player, I think, in the, in the, playoffs, series. In the yeah. series so yeah, far. Yeah. But I think in this game, Steph needs to have a 40-point game. He might. He, he needs yeah. to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think he's given him a lot, but I think he may need to give him a little bit more if you're not going to get, you know, as much from his help. I mean, you know how it is sometimes, b right? Like, Golden State, we know that they, they play a beautiful brand of team basketball, and 
Boston is, you know, ready for a lot of those actions in their motion. Sometimes it just takes the superstar taking 35 shots. Right. Like, yeah. Steph might, maybe, maybe there's going to be an instance in this series where Steph, you know, where that, where there's a game that calls for. Him. Maybe that's tonight. We know that's not in Steph's nature, but he'll take, he'll take 28, 29, 30 he's shots to if go he has off. to. Yeah. And that may, maybe that's tonight, depending on what how the game plays out. And and it could have been game one in a sense. Like remember he he went nuclear in the first period, um, but. You know, Boston, their defense kind of stepped up a little bit. But also, in my opinion, I think Steve Kerr, he needs to work on his rotations, man. Like, don't take – if somebody's super-duper hot, don't put him on the bench just because this is the time that he normally sits on the bench. And that's what happened in, in game one. That, exactly. That I think about. Steve yeah. Kerr was yeah. almost as responsible as Boston's yes. defense was to shutting Steph down. No question. All right, guys, there are some trends here that p- point to this game here, and I want to get your opinion on this. All right, so – the Golden State Warriors are 5-0 and in the playoffs after a loss. Uh-oh. The Boston Celtics are 3-6 and after a win. Uh-oh. The Boston Celtics have been wildly inconsistent through these entire playoffs, losing games on the home floor to Milwaukee, to, to Miami, 2-3 to Miami, and now, okay, they won the first game here in Game 3, but... You know, if you're a Celtics fan, you're kind of knowing that, uh, okay, is this going to be that clunker, especially knowing the Warriors, you know, are going to come with that championship medal, you know, tonight. Uh, give me some thoughts on this, Sam, from an inconsistent standpoint. Why are the Celtics so inconsistent? It's just, it's, it's been, they're a really weird team, even yeah, within yeah. the flow of games, right? Yeah. They'll, they'll play quarters where they look unstoppable and where the ball's moving and they're getting out 18 and running. 18 turnovers again. <laughs> and then, and then. And then they'll have these eight-minute stretches where their offense just looks atrocious. It's, it's such a weird team. I think ultimately what I think that's a byproduct of is you have a, a lot of guys that can put the ball in the basket and you have guys that are capable of making plays for other players. But you don't have a traditional point guard floor general in the sense of knowing the tempo and timing of the game, how to get everybody else going, how to organize things. Marcus Smart, for as good as he is, and he's an excellent player, that's not his forte. So as a result, you're having to kind of figure things out on the fly, and it gets really, really clunky at times. If it not, there's not there's not a perfect team. The Boston Celtics are on the cusp of winning a championship. What they have is good enough, but in terms of some of those inconsistencies, game in, game out, series in, series out, I think that has a lot to do with it. It's not a perfect roster. It's a flawed roster, and that is the one issue. Is that offense, because of no consistent lead playmaker it gums up at times and that's when Golden State can make that's when Golden State in this series has made its pushes if Golden, when Golden State strings together some stops is able to get some deflections then you unlock that transition offense then you're able to really put your foot on the gas and that's the same thing we've seen with Miami and with with Milwaukee too is when that offense slows down that's when you can take advantage of them yeah no that's absolutely that's that's a, a very good point uh, I know that I was like I was I don't know if you guys were but I was shocked when Miami went up there and they won game six. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I yeah. was shocked. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie. I'm, as a guy who was pulling for the Golden State Warriors to win the series, uh, I'm I'm nervous going into this game just thinking, you know, I don't know whether or not they'll end up winning this game. Um, but when you talk about the trends and everything that you've, you've, you've said and just talk about the fact that they lost against Miami in game six, you start thinking, like, man – Golden State probably should win this game. Right. You know, if you if you go by numbers and trends and everything else, they probably should win this game. Uh, so I, I'm very interested to see how things play out. They bring in Kaminga, whether Boston comes out a little bit tight. Because if if they win this game, I, t- I told uh, TC this earlier, Sam. Yeah. If Golden State wins this game, Boston will actually finally feel some pressure in this series because 
Game one, they didn't feel any pressure because no one really thought they were going to win that game. They're coming off the seven-game series. They're in, Oak, they're in San Francisco. They hadn't lost, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so then game two, they felt no pressure because they already they won already one. They already got the one they needed. Yeah, yeah, game three. You're at home. Yeah, you're at home. So if, if, if the Golden State Warriors can get this game, Boston will finally feel some pressure because they do not want to go down three to two. You go down three. Although... They've been down three to two in a bunch of series. It's, it's, they're such a they're such a weird group with this yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. That's, and that's why we're having this conversation, yeah, right? Yeah. But I think we've seen that both these teams, of course, have the mental metal to get there. Boston going on you a can road see it. in Miami in Game Seven, to Milwaukee in Game Six in that series. We know what Golden State is capable of too. So for Boston, I think they just have to, you know, they're, they're, it's there's still an inexperience factor yeah. as well. Like you can have the pieces, you can win other playoff series. It's just different in the finals. <laughs> to win a championship, that it, there's just something to that where you know you can do it and you you've proven it. Like Golden State has so many years. I, we'll see. We'll see what happens in man, terms of Boston. It's, it's, it's interesting, right? Yeah. This game is going to be a lot of fun oh, to watch tonight, man. You, 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 talk, you talk about Game Six of that Miami series. I I go back to Game Three. Yeah, I mean, I game three, they got blown out on their home floor. Yeah. The first game in that series on their home floor, it said 109-103, the final. Boston made a little bit of a courtesy run in the fourth quarter. They were getting blasted by, yeah. by, by 20, 21 points like the, for a yeah. majority of that game. And then again, and it happened again in game six. So I still can't get that out of my it's head. It's been weird. Yeah. It's yeah. been very, yeah. very weird. No, yeah. I, I agree with you, man. And, I, and, and to, be, to get outplayed the way they did for the first three quarters of game one in San Francisco. Now, game four, they shot the lights out, and that was just incredible. And, you know, to go on that 17-0 run to start the quarter, that was crazy. But, again, it just highlights what we're talking about, the inconsistency of the Boston Celtics. And that's why I can look at them in game number Three, what we saw and go, wow. I mean, they just really dominated the Warriors. And I use that word, and I mean it, because they, they dominated them in the paint. They dominated them in the paint. They dominated them on the boards. And then, you know, Golden State came back with that run, a little bit of a mini run in the second quarter to cut the lead from, from uh, you know, 18, 18. Down, to, down to eight. And then, boom, they got it back up to 12 at halftime. Then the Warriors did their thing in the third quarter. But what they do? I mean, they outscored them 23 to 11 in the fourth. So, they, but they got whatever they wanted. They got offensive board after offensive board. So they just physically beat Golden State down in Game Three. So I'm thinking, okay, if they can continue to do that, they're going, they're, they're going to win, win this series. series. Can, right? they, can, they, can but, they play a better game than but, that? Yeah, that's my question. I think they can. I don't. I, when I watched Boston play the other night, fellas, I don't think they played like they weren't. It's not like they were knocking down everything they threw up. It's not like they just shot the lights out. Like they played well, but there's another level I think they can they, get to. They did hit some amazing threes. They, so they, they, that yeah. Marcus Smart yeah. off the glass thing killed. I mean, yeah, that, right, that was a right. that was a killer for him. But to dominate, I don't think they're going to dominate him like that on the boards again. I wish I, I I wish I knew the numbers of games one and two and how the rebounding went in those two games because I don't I can't see Boston dominating the the boards like they did in game three. Just the same way I can't see them shooting the ball like they did in game one. You know what I mean? Like to me, their rebounding was the best rebounding that they'll do in this series by far. The shooting in game one, I think, is the best shooting that they'll do as a team by far. So as far as um, Boston reaching another level, I don't see – I honestly don't know what level they could reach that's higher than, than their three main players all scoring over 20 points in a game. Like To me, that's one of the best games that they played as a team. Uh, Williams, you're not going to get another – what, 10 points and, and however many okay. rebounds he had I, in four I, blocks? I have those numbers that you asked. Yeah. But before I give them to you, okay. what do you think it was, the rebounding numbers in game one and game two? I say the rebounding numbers. Advantage in, who? 
Uh, I say the rebounding numbers in game one. I think Golden State out-rebounded uh, Boston in game one. Game two, um, you know what? Honestly, I think that Golden State, was, it was close in game two okay. as well. 39-39 and 39 in game one. 43-42 Boston in game two. See, I I don't think that I, I don't think it, yeah exactly. And then the huge disparity in game, in game three. three. I don't think they're going to do that again. I mean yeah. that that's and the and, Warriors are going to make adjustments. The course. Warriors are going to say no no we're going to put attention to detail here in boxing out and not give it up these second shots. But I mean how many second shots and third Man. shots did we see the Celtics get in game three? As a as a former coach, you know this one thousand percent. Rebounding is what. It's want to. <laughs> desire. It's want to. Rebounding De- is Defense want to. and rebounding is desire. Yeah. All want to. But the guys from Boston want to rebound the ball, too, and they're just way bigger. Like, that matters. And, and was, that showed in game and three. And I think yeah. that's clearly part of – I think it was an adju- a tactical adjustment Boston made in their approach offensively, in their commitment to the offensive glass. Golden State's transition game is something you have to account for, right? Mm-hmm. So it, you might – I can see, you know – not attacking the offensive glass or not necessarily crashing. You could tell in the fourth quarter and in the second half of the other game, go after, pound the offensive glass. They have a size advantage. Not only can that wear out Golden State in this particular game, but you're at, you're, at, you're taxing Golden State throughout the course of the series. Right. So what can Golden State do to combat that? We'll see. That's that's what makes this series so interesting. Styles make fights, right, guys? Yeah. These are two teams that are completely drastically different in terms of personnel and style. And, yeah. and it's Golden State's chance. It's, it's Golden State's opportunity to make some adjustments and counter. But to TC's point, though, Boston only had an advantage rebounding in the third game. Like they, uh, the size and everything else didn't play out in the first two games, and I, I think that, in my personal opinion, game three is more of an admiration than I think a trend. Mm-hmm. Well, for we'll th- for three boxing guys, <laughs> the styles make fights. Yeah, All three of us. Yeah, we love. We, we might see a, an actual fight tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely gonna be a fight on the court. Yeah, yeah. it's mean, gonna it, be a battle. Oh man, this game's. I can't wait to I watch this wait game to. tonight, man. All right, and uh, the current line has the Celtics a four-point favorite I in know. this game. Total 213 and a half as well, too. So now that that number has uh, gone up because it was three and a half in Game Three. Boston, uh, they ended up uh, you know, winning cover rather handily, and it opened three and a half and got bet up to four. So there's a lot of Celtic money that are coming across uh, the windows here at the uh, sportsbook powered by William wow. Hill. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more finals. I, there's something I want uh, to get a take from both of you guys on. Uh, going back to a quote from Kevin Durant. I want your take on that when we come back, and then uh, we'll get some predictions, and then we'll also talk about Raiders minicamp and some NFL news as well, too. But, yes, a Friday afternoon here at the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas. Getting ready for game number four tonight. NBA Finals, T.C. Martin, Sam Gordon, Brian Salmon in the house. I do exactly what I want to do. It's It's the the Dr. T.C. Martin. You say I'm insane? I say thank you very much. The doctor is now The Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Uh, there we here go. Here you go, Peace Out. We play the request here. Don't, 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 don't. Yeah, yeah, we know, we know. Little nucleus. We're jamming on. You know who's jamming on? We're here jamming on Monday through Friday, right here, <laughs> 2 to 4 p.m. with my guys, Brian Selman, yeah. sports director of News 3 here in Las Vegas, and Sam the Man Gordon. The Las Vegas Review Journal, covering it all from hoops to football to boxing to everything here. Cosmopolitan Las Vegas, our Friday afternoon home crowd rolling in here, jam packed. They're hitting the pool tables, they're hitting the bar, they're hitting the blackjack tables. 
And of course, you're listening to us right here, streaming live, tcmartinshow.com. Glad to have you with us here on this Friday, NBA Finals game number four, just a couple hours away. Can hardly wait. I know, we can just let this roll all day. Man. See, see, Sam's a little too young for this. But Sam does appreciate the old school hip-hop. Sam, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Sam, Sam definitely knows his hip-hop, man. All right, so I want to run this by you guys. Uh, go, going back to 2019, uh, Kevin Durant, when he signed with the Brooklyn Nets, he had some choice words for the... Golden State Warriors, and this has kind of resurfaced uh, over the past week or so, and I specifically wanted to get both of you guys' take on this. And I don't know if you're familiar with this or not, but the reason why this kind of resurfaced because after the first you know couple games in the series, talking about how good Boston's defense is, that they could bottle up Golden State, it was going to be a big advantage for the Celtics. Well, when Durant signed with the Nets, he had these choice words. Uh, talking about the scheme that he left behind when he was with the Warriors. His comments were this. He goes, the motion offense that we ran in Golden State, it only works to a certain point. We can totally rely on our system for maybe the first two rounds of a playoff series. Then the next two rounds, we're going to have to mix in individual play. We've got to throw teams off because they're smarter in that round of the playoffs. When you hear him say that, Sam Gordon, what do you think? Is there any any substance to that? Yeah, I do think so. I think that's why they brought KD to Golden State, right, was because in those first couple finals, and as great as Golden State was, and again, full respect for what they accomplished, um, that against the Cavs, especially that second year when when the Cavs came back down 3-1, in some of those games when it got close, that's what happened. Their, their motion offense would gum up a little bit, as great as Steph is, and we know Steph is more than capable of scoring in isolation. It is a lot to ask him to do that on a consistent basis. A, a lot of what makes their offense great, again, is the movement and whatnot, but that doesn't always work. How much? How nice was it, b to have a 6'11 guy that can score from anywhere on the floor, any kind of defense, when, when the motion did break down, you had KD that can bail you out, and, and, and he was still so great that he could also fit as a piece within the motion offense, too. He's a 40% three-point shooter, 38% or whatever. So I think, to KD's point, going to this series, when when, when things get into half court, when, when Golden State's not playing in transition, Boston has done an excellent job. They're, again, extremely well-coached defensive team with great individual defenders that have done a great job for the, as well as you can possibly do because it's still hard to guard with Steph and Clay and Jordan Poole and everybody running around. They've done as good of a job as you could do Shutting that thing down. And with that said, how nice would it be to have 6'11", you know what I'm saying, 40% from three-point range, get to the free throw line. <laughs> yeah. like, that would be a, a real luxury. It's not a necessity per se, and I don't think that this Boston team is as good as that Cavaliers team in 2016, but there, there's a little bit of merit to what he says, mm-hmm. it, that in certain situations, in certain circumstances, it can get difficult to generate offense, and I think we're seeing that at times in the series when Golden State gets into the half court. Yeah, I would say that I agree in the fact that to have a cheat code on your team is definitely a, a big plus. For I mean, sure. He is absolutely a cheat code. Um, but, but I think that they do have individual players. Steph Curry, I mean, too, we've been talking about this. He's been scoring a ton, so, I mean, he's been doing well. Yep. But he hasn't had any help with someone who can get – like Jordan Poole hasn't gone off where he's been able to just go get himself a bucket. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. they're missing that secondary person that can actually break down the defense. And, and as we've seen with Boston, they've had guys every, 
at least three of their players have been able to get their own buck. Marcus Smart was going to the basket and getting his own buckets this past game. So there's three guys that can get their uh, to yep. make their own offense. Yep. So you, you definitely need something like that. But I will say um, it's not to, to say that the, the offensive system that the Golden State Warriors does not work right in Agreed. the finals. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you, you always need – and you need that – you need that, uh, and, and, and the playoffs are different than the regular season where your offense is, you, people aren't going to game plan, and yep. they, you're only going to game plan so much, you right. know what I mean? So you can run like the, the cuts and, and, and the curls and all that kind of good stuff. You need some individual good play in the finals. So I think Golden State has been knocked unfairly for saying not having enough one-on-one creativity, because Steph Curry is one of the, one of the best. And yeah. then saying that teams, like Durant said, teams have learned how to defend that. I, I'm not really buying that. I understand what, what Katie's saying to a certain degree, but it's saying that, okay, you know, once the finals comes, people have figured out uh, they don't have any creativity and uh, that you learn how to defend them. I think that's hardly the case at all. I mean, Curry is one of the best creators in the game. Despite his size and not being a bulky guy, this guy can get off any shot he wants from anywhere on the floor. And we know, I mean, smart basketball people know he's not just a three point shooter oh, this yeah, guy yeah. can penetrate down the lane he's got the mid-range game he's got the short game he's got the baseline drive he's got the step back i mean he's got everything and he's one of the best creators in the nba so he is. yeah to, to, he, to say that that they don't have that individual play i think is a misnomer and even clay thompson has it despite him coming back from the injury he still has that that, and you know who's got it? You just mentioned it. Did you, how about the move that Jordan Poole did on oh, that, that baseline? That was pretty. That like, was pretty amazing. He, he needs more. They need more of that yeah. though. Like yeah. if Poole can do it, Clay not as much as going to the basket. He can post up. He can do a nice little pull up, yeah. uh, which he's good with. But Poole, they need Poole to be. Poole yeah. needs to score at least fifteen to twenty points. He needs a twenty point game. If Poole can get twenty points. Then they win the game. Yeah, it's just it to me so far, and, and things change. He's a more than capable player. That it just seems like in this series the lights are a little bright. I'm getting big. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I'm getting big 2012 James Harden vibes when he was with Oklahoma I City. I agree. Just, okay. Those are the vibes I'm getting from him so far. Of well, course, he's young. Yeah, he's young, and and you know that he he is, and that's one of the, the I guess not necessarily the issues. Golden State's still obviously within the right there within the series. They they win tonight. They're right back on track to win the championship, but. Since if we are, you know, picking nits, the, the Warriors had chances to upgrade the roster and go get another wing player or go get another veteran to be a part of this, and they elected not to, right? That was – they had Moses Moody and draft picks and young players and, and, and abilities to make trades. They did it. Maybe it cost them this series, maybe not. They went to, Again, they win tonight. They're, they're right there. But it is – going back to, to Steph, it's – it's an awfully big burden to ask him to try and score 30. To, he's capable, but yeah. he's, it's a lot to ask him to do that when, when the motion does bog down and guys aren't getting the quality of looks that they had get, got in the past. Yeah. Uh, it's just a lot. It's a, it's a big ask. He, he's capable. You can do it, and we'll see. There's still four games left in the series, but it is a lot to ask against a team like Boston that is, again, this isn't just a regular team. you got length and rim protectors and guards that can bother. They, they, they have personnel tailor-made to gum up what Golden State does offensively. Especially if you're asking him to play defense. Right. That's the, Boston, big, that's the big thing. Which Boston's doing. Yes, yeah. that's the big thing because as, a, as, a, as an NBA player, everyone can go score for the most, right? Like if, you, if you only concentrate on offense like you're James Harden or somebody like that you can score but if you're asked to to score and carry the load on offense and you have to defense play defense heavily 
that's a big burden. Like it's, only a few people can do that at that high a level. Like your Kobe Bryant's, your Michael Jordans of the world, where you're actually play. Like LeBron James don't play defense anymore. Right. You know right. what I mean? He well, just plays offense, and he'll kind of and that pick was, and choose. That was really exposed in game number three when Steph Curry was backed down by Marcus Smart over and over again. Yeah. It, 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 they and, and then he got in early foul trouble, and the first foul was a joke. But then again, that just, you know, and then you get a second, and all of a sudden now he's got to come out of the game, and then he's got to be careful. Was a joke. It, yeah. it, it is a it is part of Boston's game plan to make him spend energy defensively. Correct. It's, yes. It's, yep. And why? It's a, and that's it's, smart. Of yep. course it is. Boston smart. is an excellent. Again, it goes back to Ime Udoka, the preparation, some of the adjustments they've made. He, as great as Steph is, he's not 6'9", 260. He's not like it, it, conditioning, and it does take a physical toll on him. This is, is really hard. I think that's why you've seen, you know, over the course of his career, he's stronger and sturdier now. He's added muscle to have to adapt to maybe – the way he's aging and the way that he has to play now. So it's a big ask. Is he? We'll see. There's still plenty of time to sort this thing out. But I get what KD is saying, and we, we, we've seen examples of it for stretches during these finals against an elite defensive team like Boston. All right. We'll uh, come back uh, with some uh, final uh, predictions here uh, before we leave the air here, um, before 4 o'clock here. But I want to change up a little bit and, and talk a little bit Raiders here. Breaking news uh, today over at, uh, in Henderson. I know you guys have both been covering it over there. The Raiders signed <laughs> wide receiver Hunter Renfro to a multi-year contract extension. Yeah. Two years, $32 million, 21 mil guaranteed. Guaranteed. Wow. Uh <laughs> Obviously, Raiders have made some monster moves during the offseason. You know, we talk about Devontae Adams. You got Hunter Renfro. You extend him. Chandler Jones on the defensive side of the ball. We've talked about that before. But talk a little bit about just the vibe of the mini camp there this week, guys. And then specifically, let's talk about what Renfro uh, means to this Raiders offense. Yeah, I think it's just very much, I mean, B-South, very foundational, right? Yeah. All That's all they're yes. trying to do right now. You're just trying to introduce concepts and principles and, and develop a sense of what Josh McDaniels and his new coaching staff, what those expectations are. So from that standpoint, I think the energy has been good. I mean, guys are competing. It's been competitive. I, I think you're seeing guys hold themselves accountable, hold each other accountable. When they're out there at practice, you're seeing guys, if they miss a, you know, if there's a penalty, you know, running a lap or doing some push-ups, things like that that we didn't necessarily see under John Gruden's, you know, under, under John Gruden, during the John Gruden era. With that said, um, it's, yeah, a lot of good energy. Uh, and in terms of Hunter Renfro, now you're fitting him into an offense where he has one of the best all-around receivers in the league in Devontae Adams and Darren Waller. So now not only is he – just the, the, the way that the pieces fit together on the perimeter, it makes it's, – it's perfect. It's a perfect, perfect fit. Somebody that can go deep, uh, somebody that can, can – can, in Waller that can do all kinds of things and go over the middle and do these things. And then you have Renfro as the technician operating out of the slot. So – this offense is shaping up, provided the offensive line is stable, and that's still where I think the biggest question marks are with Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller and Devontae Adams and Derek Carr. Should everybody remain healthy, you have the potential to have a top five, top six offense. Now, there's a lot of variables that need to produce and everything has to mesh, but in terms of potential, it's there. And we heard Devontae Adams say yesterday, potential is not anything until we actually do something with it. They have to do something with it, but the capabilities uh, could be very explosive. Yeah, piggybacking off of what Sam said, I'll even go a little bit further. I think that potential, as far as like with the, the, the players that they have on offense, I believe that they have the best offensive talent in the AFC West. Mm. And that's, that's a, that's I mean, a bold if you, statement. If, if you think of what Kansas City lost yeah. and what the Raiders gained, and it, 
San Diego or San Diego. Oh, that's terrible. I, uh, no, it's that's not. Terrible. I mean, I we still that. do it. So Los Angeles. Okay. And, uh, I, I think that who, what Herbert has, I don't think it's as good. And you throw right. in Josh Jacobs on top of that uh, as, as a running back who's in a prove-it year, then – they have, they have, and they added. got depth at running back too. Yes, and Can they brought Drake in Drake behind, and now you yeah, know, they brought in Robinson as well too. from yep. uh, from Kansas exactly. City as well. Yep. I think that they have, they have absolutely potential to be a top five offense. And to me, I've said this, and people say whatever. Derek Carr to me is a top ten quarterback. So you have that. I think that the sky is the limit for the for the Raiders offensively. And as far as oh, uh, mandatory minicamp goes, I think it's. <laughs> One, we have seen the uh, Bill Belichick Patriot Way effect huh. over sure. out <laughs> out there with the you know the, the the team practicing five miles away. You can't see anything. Um, but besides that, you can tell that Josh McDaniels and his staff are being very particular. Um, they're very detail oriented. That's some of the things that some of the players have talked about. Uh, the defense is much improved with Chandler Jones. I love the energy between him and Max Crosby. It was there with Unique and Gakwe, but you can see it's even kicked up a notch yeah. with those two. Uh, I think the defense is going to be good. The defensive backs are probably the only place that they're kind of, you know, they're they're going to have a little trouble. And I'll, I'll I'll end with this. Derek Carr said this during his press conference that he took less money. Max Crosby took less money, so the guys. They could keep players on their team, players right. like Hunter Renfro. So clearly he got his 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 bucks. Right. Um, and now we're all waiting. Darren Waller, he's going to get his money. Mm-hmm. It's not like I, I don't think that there's going to be a, an instance where the Raiders try to, you know, franchise tag him or they treat him terribly. Not a guy like that who could be like a franchise player, so to speak, on your team. He's going to end up getting his money. So you keep that core together, um, foundational pieces, as, as Sam right. put. Man, I, I think that the Raiders are going to be doing their thing, man. You know, the Raiders definitely have improved their teams, uh, their team in the offseason on both sides of the ball. You are going to get uh, a, a new head coach in here, another new system for Derek Carr and this offense. The two key areas, and you guys you each hit one of them. The offensive line, like Sam said, and then the DBs, like you said, B-Sal, those are big question marks. But with this offense, and we just talked about it, I mean, basically it, it all-stars, it, uh, you know, wow. it, it wide receiver, you know, uh, tight slot. end, yeah. uh, the slot, and, and say what you want about Derek Carr, uh, even though he hasn't won a playoff game. But, no, the, the skill set is definitely there. There's no question. <laughs> I'm not, drop that in there real quick. Well, I'm, I'm not going to dispute you saying he's not a top ten. I, I will agree with that. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just saying. That's a fact. But here's the deal. From the national perspective, people out there are still thinking, this is an eight-win team or a nine-win team. Wouldn't you say that if the Raiders don't, you know, win 10, 11 games this year, that this is going to be considered a major disappointment because the money they have spent and the personnel on that offensive side of the ball, you're right. I mean, I think you could make that argument. They are the best. They're one of the best offenses in the entire AFC, and they could maybe overtake Kansas City from an offensive standpoint personnel-wise in the AFC West. But what do you say to those that are saying this is still an eight- or nine-win team? Well, it's clear that there are, based on the offseason approach that, again, this is just based on the way they've spent money, how aggressive they were. It's clear the playoffs, that's not enough for Mark Davis, right? You don't make these changes. If you're cool with with what the status quo, they wouldn't have made all these changes. The fact that they have been this aggressive, indicates to me that there are expectations of internally of not just making the playoffs but winning a playoff game or games now with that said 
the Raiders got better, but so did pretty much everybody else in the AFC West. Take Kansas City out of there. They're still kind of, a, you know, they're still going to be good because of Mahomes and Andy Reid and whatnot. But I don't think they got better because of the loss of Tyreek Hill. I agree. We know Denver got better with Russell Wilson. Now you have an All-Pro caliber quarterback in the mix, and we know the Chargers got better because Justin Herbert is still on his rookie deal, and you're able to splurge on that defense. Right. J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack. So. It's, it's not going to be easy by any means, but the expectations internally, I would guess, are 10 or 11 wins. And quite frankly, that those should be the. If that's the case, then externally, that's the standard that the Raiders should be held to. If they don't make the playoffs, yes, this this would be a failure. There's no question about that. One thousand percent, what Sam said. One thousand percent. I would say, and I, I'll, I'll repeat it. I think that they're definitely, to me, offensively. I think on paper they're better than Kansas City on paper. I think offensively on paper they're better than. Uh, the Chargers, because as Sam said, they spent most of their money on defense. Mm -hmm. I think uh, the Chargers' defense on paper is definitely better than the Raiders. Um, but last year, the, the Raiders beat what well, they split with Kent, uh, with um, the Chargers, right? I mean, they beat the Chargers to make it to the playoffs. Yeah. So, um, I, and, I, and they got better. Both teams got better. So, if you say both things being equal, both of them got better equally, um, the Raiders still should have a better team than the Chargers. Uh, essentially. And as far as Denver, they got better, but they just got Russell Wilson. How did Russell Wilson do with just himself in Seattle? Yeah, and I think there's still major question marks there from a coaching standpoint, from a defensive standpoint with with Denver as well, too. And what weapons... And I love Russell Wilson. So do I. But what weapons does Russell Wilson exactly. have? Exactly. Yeah. He's got so Judy, th right? Th those are question marks. Is Judy even playing? Yeah, Judy, Cortland Sutton. Um, but, you know, but Denver had, a, you know, they got players on defense and stuff like that. It's understandable why they took that risk and why they pushed all the chips in. I They feel like they feel we don't – it's it's I guess it's unclear how good that roster is because yeah. they haven't had a quarterback. So yeah. I, it's, I hear what you're saying on that standpoint. It, it, the, the conversation we're having, it goes to show you, this is a wild, wild it's west. It's going to be interesting, right? Yeah, yeah. this yeah, is the wild yeah. – this is Woo. the best division in football, bar none, where you can make a case for each team reaching the postseason. There's a case to be made. So yeah. every year the, 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 it seems like that title of best division in the league shifts, and this is the AFC chance, uh, West chance to wear that title. Yeah. What, what's Sam better than the NFC Central? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> With yeah. your Vikings? Yeah, it's, no, it's, oh. it certainly is. It certainly is. There ain't no question about He's that. He's been suffering for years yeah. over here. Hey, decades. <laughs> <laughs> decades. Oh, man. See, see Sam was uh, too young to remember Fran Tarkin and those guys. He wasn't even born yet. Well, see, there it is. I'm too, yeah. I'm too young to remember Fran. I remember Fran Tarkin, but I never watched him play, but he remembers yeah. Randall Cunningham a little bit. A little oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dante I, definitely, I definitely remember those yeah. guys. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Gary Anderson. Of course. Gary Anderson. <laughs> How could I forget Gary Anderson? <laughs> One of the greatest kickers of all time, right? Of all time. Yeah. you got to love uh, that. Wide left. All right, guys. Um, <laughs> wow. All right. Uh, other NFL news here. Um, we've got uh, – you, we've, we've talked uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, excused from minicamp for the oh, San Francisco wow. 49ers. Trey Lance is, is, is the man here. And Where's that's he where going? Where are huh? you going? Jimmy Garoppolo? Yeah, where's he going? He's – I don't they, – they, they're adamant about trading him. I know. Where do you think he's going? He's injured right now, so – Where's he, he end up? You know. the, the way the whole thing has played out with the timing of the surgery, way to, you know, like yeah. everything that has happened has been very like, – feels like every team is strategically <laughs> playing, you know, there's – right, like San Francisco has a strategy. Jimmy and his agent, like, like somebody eventually, I think – Will will make the move for him, whether it's a Seattle, whether it's a Carolina, because he is a. Those are the two teams. Uh, yeah, they, okay, they, yeah, there's a, a gaping hole at quarterback for both those teams. But if this thing drags into training camp in the regular season, I, I think you know you, it could be it could get really interesting there with with Trey Lance because he's clearly the guy you want to turn the, the team over to. How does that play out? 
the, the, the 49ers have created their own mess here. 100%. I'm sorry. Yes. Yes, Selecting this guy <laughs> at number three, they, they've created this mess. He's and there is nothing wrong with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's not better than Garoppolo. I agree. Forget about it. I mean, they created their own mess here. Now they're going to get rid of And you know who else created their own mess? The Cleveland Browns. Yeah, so they, they excuse Baker Mayfield from minicamp. <laughs> their minicamp is actually next week because he's rehabbing at home in Austin, Texas uh, for his uh, shoulder surgery he had during the offseason. Yeah, Non-throwing yeah. shoulder. But to guarantee, uh, you know, the money that they guarantee to Deshaun Watson is just insane. You know, they, and here's the thing: Baker Mayfield is guaranteeing 19 million dollars himself. Guaranteeing 19 million. Cleveland tried to shop him, but there are no takers out there. But here you got this guy that actually helped improve your team, and this team just can't get it right. Oh, but why? Why do you? The <laughs> thing is, with with the whole Baker situation. <laughs> You got to get rid of him before you make the Deshaun deal or do something. You can't, right. you can't get we, Deshaun Watson and then try to trade and, Baker. And don't we all agree that Deshaun Watson is going to be missing time? It's just a matter of how much time, right? Yeah, Six I mean, games, eight games? More than that. There you go. I mean, if you got Calvin Ridley, you got suspended for making a $1,500 bet. This guy's got 25, you know, lawsuits, right? right? Like, it's, it's just we'll see what the NFL rules. But if – all things being equal, I would guess it's going to be at least a year, if not longer. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and, and be the devil's advocate just to be the devil's advocate. I think that Roger Goodell is going to be like, you know what? We're going to wait for the um, the judicial process to, to, to play out. <clears throat> he doesn't have any criminal charges against him. So we'll see what happens. And until then, we'll go ahead and, and let him play. And then once something actually comes down, then we're going to suspend him. Well, you may be right with that because we did hear his attorney that said that happy endings are not a criminal charge. There it is. Did he say that? He said that. Yes, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. I think Memchuk, do, do we still have the audio? Can I amend what I just said? Yeah. Can we play, <laughs> we play the audio? How many men are out there now that have had a massage that perhaps occasionally there was a happy ending? All right. Maybe there's nobody in your listening audience that that ever happens. Oh, I no. do want to point out, no. if it has happened, it's not a crime. Okay? Unless you are paying somebody oh. extra or so to give you some type of sexual extra. activity, extra. it's not a crime. And so at the end of the day, uh, that's another thing that would affect con. Doing something or saying something or being a way that makes you uncomfortable is not a crime. And so we've had two grand juries find that, and nobody seems to want to listen. There you go. Would you like to have him as your attorney? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Sam and B. Sauer just cringing here. He really said that. He said yeah. that out loud. Yeah, that was out no, loud. I heard that it. that yeah, wasn't that was... his inner monologue? No, no. <laughs> Threw up in my mouth a little bit. Man, he really said that. You know what, though? I'm surprised he didn't bring up the owner of the Patriots. Right, Robert Kraft. (laughs) Knows a thing or two. Robert Kraft knows. I mean, did you see what happened to Robert Kraft? Nothing. And they expunged all that stuff. (laughs) All right, game four tonight. Prediction time. Sam Gordon, who you got? Celtics favored by four over the Warriors. I actually like Golden State tonight. I'm sticking with my Boston and six pick, but I think Golden State with their backs against the wall gets it done tonight, and then Boston takes two in a row. Brian Salmon. Man, my my heart, honestly, my heart wants Golden State. I don't know, man. What's your wallet say, man? My wallet says, yeah, we're here at the sports book, man. You know what? 
Golden State. They're, they're bouncing back. They're bouncing back. I'm, I'm putting yes. They're bouncing back. Uh, they're see, not going to play. You see what I'm wearing play. today? I like it. It's a clean sweep. I like Going it. Going the Warriors. I the like it. Warriors tonight. I'll take the four, and uh, I I do think that they win the game. This is the ultra focus game. It has to be for the yes. Warriors. Yes. From Draymond Green to Steve Kerr to Steph Curry to Clay Thompson to everybody here, and getting that bench production. I think if if this if the Warriors have any shot of winning this series. They have to get the W tonight, and then the narrative will change, guys, as it changes after every game, right? It's a series. And then the Warriors will have two or three, you know, going back to San Francisco. So we'll see. Oh, B Cell is popping. He's uh, locking. Uh, a, little, yeah. a, little, uh, a little flashback. There it is. Yeah, it's where are we at with Jam on it? Come on all right. now. All right, guys. <laughs> we're going to ride Jam on all the way out here. Sam, I appreciate you being here, as always, my friend. Appreciate you. Hey, good talking to you guys. Enjoy yeah. the game tonight. And of have course. a great weekend. And yeah. B-Sal, appreciate you guys always uh, for being on the show on a regular basis and to get you guys both down here at the same time. We'll do a more of this, of course, as we uh, approach uh, football season as well, too. It has right? been dope. Good stuff. All right, I want to thank Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Make sure you check out all of his stuff. Great columns that he has each and every week at the LasVegasReviewJournal.com. Sam, he's the man. He is. And then, Brian, and then Brian Salmon at News 3. Check him out just about Every night. Just about Especially every night. the Sunday sports night, which is outstanding. Oh, thank you, TC. I appreciate you that, man. And you will see these guys at Aces games all the time as well, too. Great stuff. Covering it all here in Las Vegas. Football. Boxing. The UFC. WNBA. WNBA. All that. All of it. And maybe soon, the NBA. Man, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. I want to thank Numbchuck back in the studio. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcbartonshow.com. Check out our interview uh, from Olden Polonese yesterday, who's guaranteed a warrior victory tonight. Go listen to that before the game tips off at 6 o'clock tonight. Great stuff there from OP. And, of course, we'll catch you next week right here, Monday through Friday, 2 p.m., right here. Have yourself a great weekend.